You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network. We come to you for another Flashback Friday today, bringing you classic episodes of Survivor Oz that we put the poll out to you and you vote for and we play them. Now, obviously, a bit of uh, an interesting day to release this one for uh, a, a few reasons. Uh, a lot of reports coming out today uh, of the death, the passing of Borneo contestant Rudy Bosch. And uh, we, unfortunately, were one of the many who kind of just jumped on the bandwagon posting a few tributes and things to Rudy. Um, and uh, the good news, I guess, is is that uh, he has not passed away. Uh, apparently suffering from some Alzheimer's disease and they're keeping an eye on him at the moment. Not too well uh, from what the reports are, but... Um, Good news is that he's still alive. So if you had been following us on social media, we had posted earlier today that we were going to uh, play our episode with Rudy. Uh, however, he's apparently still alive, as we just said. So uh, we, we're, we're going to save that uh, and not play it today. So uh, we've removed that post. Obviously, we apologize for kind of jumping to speculation. We, we're not one to generally do that. We like to be based on fact and sources and things like that. And this is one time we didn't. We we definitely jumped the gun and made a mistake. So uh, we are very sorry for that one uh, and we apologise. So that means on our Flashback Friday this week, we're going to stick to our original plan in playing the one that you voted for during the week. We put up, of course, last weekend, the two longest ever contestant interviews that we ever did. Now, technically, these aren't our longest ever episodes because if you look at our ranking cast where we ranked all the contestants in the history of survivor you know i think there was a seven or an eight hour episode before splitting it into parts so um we have done much longer episodes than this and even when you sort of look at the times of our survivor Oz episodes there were a couple of recaps as well that we did that were longer than particularly the one that we're going to play today i know one of our uh, purple kelly recaps which featured a lot of interviews from the Game Changers finale were uh, was technically a longer episode, but we, we, we specified that this was our longest contestant interview. And when we say contestant interview, of course, people would remember from Survivor Oz days that we try to interview every single contestant in history of Survivor and that a contestant interview was purely just an interview with a contestant. It wasn't a, a recap or an exit interview or things like that. So that's where we specified it. So the two longest that we ever had in the history of Survivor Oz was with Dan Foley, our original Dan Foley interview, which went for, I think, four and a half hours uh, from uh, Worlds Apart, of course, Dan. And then we had our Cass McQuillan interview, which was the very first time we interviewed Cass. This wasn't a post-Game Changers, uh, sorry, second chance season or sort of a lead-up interview or anything like that. This was just an original one after her time on Kagayan. So both of those were officially our longest ever interviews. And you voted, you voted quite firmly for Cass, and uh, that's what you're going to hear to today. You knew you were going to hear that because you've clicked on the link, and you can obviously see that that's the interview that you're going to hear today. So uh, I remember this interview. It was a, it was a fun chat with Cass. Um, very funny. Cass is a very funny, funny woman, uh, as you're going to hear here, and you, you learn a lot uh, from Cass when it comes to this, and you definitely get a great insight into her character and her game as well, which I will say, as a fan of Cass, and maybe a bit biased here, I think her gameplay gets a little bit underrated, sort of overshadowed by all the uh, the villainous stuff uh, that she uh, does along the way. So here is our uh, quite long interview with Cass McQuillan, back from when she was just a one-time player on Survivor Oz. Cass McQuillan competed on the 28th season of Kagayan, where she finished in third place. 
Known for her brutal honesty, somewhat off-putting personality and ability to change her game suddenly, she went on to become one of the most talked about players in the last 10 seasons and narrowly missed out on a final Tribal Council spot. I spoke to Cass about turning down Jeff Probst for sex, being abused at the grocery store by old men, as well as talking painted donkeys with Justin Timberlake and Ozzy Osbourne, and why she wants to send the Trish interview to Guantanamo Bay to be used as a torture device. Cass, welcome to Survivor Oz. Thanks, Ben. Happy to be here. Absolute pleasure to have you here, because I will say you are the seventh person from your season to be on this show, and uh, we're getting through those numbers well, and... Of course, when you think of Kagayan, I think most people think of you, Cass, and we, we need to have you on the show to hear about it. So, uh, look, you know, it's uh, Survivor Oz is getting their wish right now with you on the program. <laughs> oh, my wish is your command. Oh, oh, I like that. Uh, now, it's obviously been a few months since the season's over. We've just seen uh, season 29 literally premiere yesterday at the time of recording this. Is it a strange, a good feeling kind of going from being and watching yourself on TV to going back to just being a normal Survivor fan and watching some strangers do this again? I have to tell you, last night I was so happy just to sit in my living room and watch Survivor and I actually deleted my Twitter off my phone and I'm not going to be checking it and uh, it's nice to go back to normal, yeah. Wow, deleting the Twitter, that's a big step, Cass. (laughs) Well, you know, Ben, I don't want to be one of these people who makes a career out of milking the Survivor franchise. Right. You know. Okay. I, I just, you know, to me, it's a game show. It's a contest. You go on it. You compete. It's a pretty wild ride. But when you're done, you're not a celebrity. You're just a person who went on a game show. It's it's as if I had gone on, you know, Jeopardy or, or Wheel of Fortune, you know, two big shows here in the States. So I don't look at it as a, a path to a new career. Do, do you find then kind of all the attention that comes with it, particularly given sort of, um, you know, your game that you had in Kagayan, that, uh, you know, you're getting these messages, though, still from fans and kind of comments and that and, you know, going through them thinking, wow, will this ever end? Yeah, I do wonder. I mean, just this this morning I was at breakfast with my husband and a septuagenarian stopped by and said she loved me. Wow. Um, you know, I have a really ancient fan base, I guess. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you got a fan base, I guess. I mean, I, I wish we had a fan base on this show. That would be nice. Um, send them somehow away, maybe, Cass. <laughs> maybe you should hit up the retirees. They have a lot of time on their hands for this sort of thing. <laughs> but this is the internet, um, you know, like would they get how to download something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea. We're just completely. This woman was quite pleased to see me having an omelette this morning. <laughs> wow, there's, there's probably someone's got a bucket list out there. Like, watch Cass McQuillan have an omelette. Uh, <laughs> that's like makes their day. Yeah. Well, it's a very small town I live in, and uh, I was on the cover of the paper every week. The, the local paper put me huge on on the paper and did a column on everything. Um, wow. So it was in the town, uh, yeah. Yeah, can't avoid it. Wow, celebrity. Do you keep the Do you keep the newspapers? Is it something that you're sort of you know interested in? Sort of looking back in a few years, showing the grandkids off, you know? No, I I kind of keep the uh, the death threats and the negative tweets so I can read them out loud someday on a night show, you know, <laughs> making fun of people. But I have a couple of the the newspapers, but. They're so misquoted, and some didn't even interview me. So I just, you know, I have a degree in journalism, and I think very low of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I mean, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, 
I don't think I'm cut out for the public life. <laughs> this so. might this might be your last ever interview ever about Survivor then. <laughs> It could be, Ben. I've been contacted by other people to do these uh, various critiques of this current season, and I just don't want to take part in it. So it may be. Maybe my swan song. Wow. We feel so special all of a sudden. Australia is happy. We want to see you in the omelettes, but uh, it might be the chance that we don't get to see it. So this is make the most of it, people listening. This is Cass's <laughs> omelette swan song. So there you go. What um I mean, what made you initially go into Survivor? I mean, you you sent me actually, and I want to talk about this after. But um, you had a post on your Facebook which had twenty five random things, and you post on this back in two thousand and nine that you want to go on Survivor where you believe you'll finish second or third. So great work there on the predictions. Um, I mean, I'm guessing have you been a fan of Survivor for a long time? I have. I've never missed an episode, um, and I've always watched it, you know, regular time on CBS, starting from the first episode ever. And I've been in a Survivor pool with the same people since season six. Wow. A, a group of my friends and I, as we've grown up watching the show, we've stayed in touch in this Survivor pool. In fact, I have John Rocker this time, and uh, and Baylor are my two random draws. Fantastic. So... Yeah, I think I lost 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Kelly in uh, Owls, so, um, yeah, I was, I was kind of thinking I'd get first boot, but, um, look, she maybe might be in an okay position than I thought. So, look, who knows? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's so early to tell, and that first episode was all over the place, so that was... Uh... It definitely was. So, was this the first time you applied then when you went to Cagayana, or had you applied on previous seasons? Well, here's something funny. I had applied back when I was in law school. I think I actually applied for Survivor Australia. So for season two, mm-hmm. I applied for two, three, and four. I think I was probably in my late 20s at the time. And uh, I actually got a call from Mark Burnett Productions. Wow. And they called me and they said, hey, uh, we don't want you for Survivor. You're not what we're looking for, but we're doing this new show called The Apprentice. <laughs> and we'd like you to come down to L.A. and... Uh, interview about that. So I actually went to Los Angeles. I remember I was waiting for my bar exam results or maybe waiting to take the bar exam to become an attorney. And I had to go down to Santa Monica and meet with this little short guy who told me all about Donald Trump, uh, who I really didn't care about. (laughs) And I spent my entire interview saying, I really want to be on Survivor, not some Donald Trump show. (laughs) And they finally said, look, you're never going to be on Survivor. You don't have what we look for. So wow. I said, well, then I'm done here. <laughs> so, so after that, I did not apply for, you know, more than 10 years. And I had turned 40 and was out drinking with my girlfriends. We were talking about Survivor. And I went home and said, I'm just going to apply. And I sat down in the kitchen. I propped the camera up on the, a pile of books. And I shot a one-take, three-minute video. I sent it into the CBS website. And uh, three days later, they called me, and oh. I actually hung up on them because <laughs> I didn't. I thought it was one of my friends, you know, joking with me. Wow. Um, so, yeah, and it's still, I'm still shocked. And I told them when I went to finals, I said, you know, you guys once told me I could never be on your show. So, <laughs> did they? So neener neener. What, what what did they turn around and say? Then they're like, oh, we could have never imagined we'd say that to you. <laughs> uh, no, I think they know I was an unconventional casting selection Hmm. and and even at uh at my casting at the finals i spoke with lynn after everything and she followed me out and she's just Cass. 
I want you on my show so bad, but you're not what corporate looks for. So if you don't make it, it's because no one knows where to put you. Wow. Um, and then she went to bat for me, I believe. So Fantastic. Uh, and probably turned out okay for the franchise. I reckon. Well, I mean, some of the comments actually uh, we get when we get to the listener questions. I know one of a couple of the people who work on our show, our Oslets, they're, they're big fan of yours. And um, we even had Julian, uh, one of our Oslets, uh, who's a massive fan of yours, saying that you were the best new female Survivor character from seasons 21 to 28. So that's what some of the fans think of you there, Cass. So it did work. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um yeah, I think as a female character, I was a different type, especially as an older, you know, over 40 mom, uh, you know, not quite acting the role I was supposed to, which would be crying or hanging onto the coattails of a big, strong man. Mm, and we kind of had a pattern of that, some would argue, in a few, few of the seasons beforehand, of course. Um, I mean, does that kind of, when you go into it then, are you deliberately going in with a strategy to sort of say, I want to put that kind of stereotype behind everything and show that, uh, you know, somebody of my age and my gender can be a different player? Well, I don't think it was trying to be a different player. I mean, I am who I am. What you saw on TV is probably how I am in real life. I mean, I just yesterday at a deposition told an attorney to remove the stick that was up his ass and he might be able to make a smile happen. Um, (laughs) So that is how I behave, (laughs) sadly. Uh, I'm kind of a no-nonsense person. Um, and I actually, my plan going in was to try to just not be the worst person in competitions mm-hmm. and lay low until the merge. And I had actually told my husband that I was going to pick all of the hot guys and it would be Mama Cass and the Hot Guy Alliance. <laughs> um, so when he got off that boat and there I was with three young, fit men, he just started laughing. <laughs> but he didn't realize I had just torn up the island for... 37 days. He thought it worked. He thought your plan was, you know, right then and there in practice. Yeah. He is. Wow. You did it. I said, oh, no. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. So, uh, <laughs> wow. but, uh, that was my, but you know, when I got on the brains tribe and it was just David and Garrett, uh, having a, the proverbial alpha male pissing match, they ruined our tribe from the get go. Uh, and no one on the Brains Tribe was playing as a tribe. Everyone was playing the end game on day one, you know, which led to the demise of the Brain Tribe. When you uh, kind of saw the whole three-tribe format then, I mean, did, were you kind of thinking that those sort of plans might be thrown out given that you're going to obviously be working on a tribe with a lot less members than maybe you were anticipating? Well, I actually was happy with my tribe just, you know, seeing them. Like when we were on the mat there, we had the big buff guy, so he's going to be strength. Uh, David had a tattoo on his ankle that said uh, Iron Arcona, which had a year, so I assumed he was a triathlete. Spencer was reading some sports books, I noticed, so I figured he was like a college, you know, sports kid. Uh, Tasha was extremely buff, and Jatia was, you know, hopefully our first boot because she was stealing fans and all that. So, you know, (laughs) uh, so I thought it was a pretty good tribe. Uh, and then we hit the beach and, uh, Garrett took everything personal that had happened and, oh yeah, <laughs> the you know, happened. then I realized I was surrounded by idiots who thought they were on, you know, day 38 when they were on day two. Uh, so, and the worst thing that they did really, the brain tribe was not tell me they were voting David out because it, I then didn't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I had to start playing the game 
right after the first tribal, and that's what I did, and I never looked back, and I never trusted anyone after that in the game. I so. I remember sort of after that first tribal, and then we had the next one when Garrett went, and I just remember, I, I probably wrote about it, I know we were talking about it, we were kind of like, Cass, you know, look at her, flipping already, you know, not making a mind up and all this sort of stuff. I mean, did you kind of see that perception in some people like our sites and that, and we're thinking like, oh, look, people are going to be enjoying the rest of how this game's going to be playing out then with me? <laughs> well, every decision I made was for my game right, to get myself further. And it was based on how I was reading people at the time. Um, the Garrett vote out simply happened because he lied to me. I, I asked him point blank if he had an idol because he had been up at that waterfall. He denied that Jeff had said there was a decision. So I just took him aside and said, I need you to tell me if you have the idol. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. And that was the moment when I said, well, i got to get rid of this guy because he claims we're going to the end, and he's not even telling me. He doesn't think I understand the game enough to know that he was given a choice, and he probably took the idle choice. Um, so it was more dangerous to keep a guy who's trying to play me, who has a horrible poker face, uh, than to keep the crazy lady who's throwing your food around. The food wasn't coming back. Mm. you know. But here's an opportunity to get rid of this guy who at that time Spencer didn't speak to anyone really other than Garrett. So I needed to cut that one off and break up that pair. And Tasha and Shatia were fighting a lot after the rice burning incident. Um, so I knew everyone was a free agent kind of at that point. So it was time to just say, let's get rid of this big guy and let's clean up this mess. And at that point I was hoping Tasha and I were going to work together for the long run. I heard in those situations, we've had uh, we've had Spencer on, we've had Garrett on, we've had David on actually uh, on the show, but uh, with the whole Jatia situation, there was a little bit more to that fight. There was a, a clothes incident, I think, as well, and uh, there was a bit of a fight between you and Jatia. I mean, is, can you allude a little bit more to kind of this story? Oh, Ben, we were going to throw down. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. You know, uh, I was mad at her, you know. She, she threw our rice away. You have to think about the dysfunction that this tribe had there on day six. And Jatia had, had actually dumped water on the fire prior to the rice. You know, we were all going to get firewood. Garrett had just issued his order that everyone remained together. No one's allowed to speak. We all started walking to go get firewood. Jatia turned around and said, you know, fuck this. I'm not carrying your wood if you're voting me out. And I had had it in my head, I need to get alone with Jatia and Tasha. But Garrett was exercising control, uh, and everyone was scared of him for some reason. Um, so I turned around and started chasing Jatia back. Because <laughs> my plan was to say, Jatia, we can flip this game right now, and the girls can take control. But when I got to the, back to the camp, our water pot was empty and the fire was sizzling. And there was water everywhere. And I said, oh, my God, did you just put out a fire? Because it was so hard to get fire out there. So <laughs> by then, everyone had come back to the camp. And I said, you see this, guys? She's now on probation. Someone needs to watch her because she will destroy the camp. You know, I, and I said that to Garrett and Spencer. I said, I'm going down to the water. I'm going to wash my feet off. And, you know, that's where you go pee and stuff. So I said, I'm just going to go down there. I said, Tasha, you want to come? And Garrett did not want us leaving. I think Spencer was off, had been pulled off to do a walk or something. 
and uh, I told Garrett, stay there. She will do something. She'll burn down the shelter. Who knows? And in that split second, that's when Tasha and I, we had about one minute down there in the water. I said, are you good with Garrett? She said, yes. And I said, you've got to tell Jatia somehow. Mm. And, uh, and then Garrett came running down in, in his typical histrionic fashion, <laughs> screaming like the little girl he is. Uh, <laughs> not to insult little girls, because my little girl would do better on Survivor than him. <laughs> and she has more body hair than him, probably. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, Garrett came down, and that's when the rice was dumped. Right. And, you know, Garrett went into a state of catatonic shock with his mouth agog and his eyes popping out because he was already starving. Uh, Tasha didn't know what to do. And Jatia, I got mad. I'm a normal human being. I'm a red-blooded American, you know. <laughs> so I, I was like, what the fuck did you do? And I yelled at her, and um, I said, you're banished. You're banished from this camp. You cannot, if we're a real tribe... You can't destroy our entire food source. And I told her to go live in Coconut Grove. <laughs> I said, you're out. Wow. Banished. Don't eat our food. Don't drink our water. Get the F out of here, lady. Wow. You know? Wow. And what happened was we had these bananas that we had were ripening up in a tree. And I'm the one who went around and got the cassava root and found bananas and all that stuff. Because these brain tribe never looked up from the ground. I mean... They were so in the game, they weren't considering survival. And so we had these bananas, and Jatia went over to them, and I knew what she was doing. She's going to go over there and destroy our bananas or eat them. She starts pulling them off and eating them. <laughs> so I go over, and I'm like, don't touch another banana. She's a little bigger than me, you know. <laughs> so I, And it got that moment, you know, when you're about to fight someone, and you got that, your, your hackles are up, your fur is raised. Yep. And we had that moment. And uh, and I just turned around and said, whatever, that's your last fucking banana. <laughs> and I walked away. And um, the thing is, everyone says I'm an emotional player, right? Mm -hmm. That's a, an accusation from my tribe mates. Mm -hmm. So, oh, and then I later, after that incident, Jatia was called off to go give a confessional. I took her clothes. I was going to burn her I Love Nerd shirt <laughs> in the fire. <laughs> but um, you're not allowed to destroy the property of other contestants. It was pretty muddy, so I actually took it and stomped it in the mud, and then I threw it into the bushes. <laughs> I threw her shoes. You saw in that one challenge, I have a pretty good arm. I chucked her shoes. I don't think she ever even found her shoes <laughs> so far into the bush. Wow. And I took her sweater. I was mad. Wow. I mean, you took my food. Yeah. That's um, amazing. <laughs> the whole not destroying um, items. I mean, Sandra famously burnt Russell's hat. So, like, <laughs> Sandra's breaking the rules back in Heroes vs. Villains, is she? <laughs> well, I think it depends who's on the beach with you at the time. We, the producer that was on the beach at that time, I called him the principal because he was the biggest guy. You know, we're on lockdown, right, 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 you know. Yeah. He was so strict with the rules. So I, I always made fun of him. I called him the principal the whole time. <laughs> um, so uh, he was the one who you know, said, hey, he just shook his head. And I was like, oh, okay. But what's funny is Jatia on St. Patrick's Day wore that shirt out in Chicago, and she texted me a picture of, of the shirt, and it still has my footprint <laughs> on the front. <laughs> and I said, well, just tell, tell everyone your favorite leprechaun did it. <laughs> 
So <laughs> the wow. thing is, uh, I mean, we all get angry, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you get angry six days into Survivor and someone throws your food away? Absolutely. <laughs> and wouldn't you want to deck them? I mean, just punch them out? Yes. I, so I'm I not a violent person, a, uh, but I would. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're thinking long game, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this person's a nut, right? Yeah. And that's what Garrett, he doesn't comprehend. He thinks it was emotional to get rid of him. It would have been emotional to get rid of Jatia because I was pissed at her. I got rid of Garrett just because I knew he was lying. Yeah, that's, I mean, everybody at that point was like questioning that. I just remember that whole, why the hell wouldn't you get rid of Jatia? I mean, she's just done this and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that was just kind of everybody was going off at that point. Right. But who was I better throwing my lot in with? Spencer, who didn't speak with me, and Garrett, who I knew was lying to me. Or Tasha, who was desperate to stay in this game and play this game. And Jatia, who was going to be, who was basically saying, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I was pissed. And I, we talked about it later. I said, yeah, I was pissed too. <laughs> and that we reconciled fully out there. Fantastic. You know. That's good then. I just said, hey, I'm sorry I did that. You know, we're, I told her we're both probably very reactionary women. You know, we're very passionate about things. And that moment in that fight was her taking my food and me taking what few possessions she had and doing what I could with them. That was my only way to retaliate. And, you know, I don't care if I'm on TV. You take my food on an island when I don't have any? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the interesting thing is how Garrett has interpreted that because of his lack of experience in dealing with people who are passionate and have reactions that are not calculated. Mm. It's- you know, it's my opinion. It's. I mean, this is why I've been so looking forward to this interview because, uh, as I said, you know, we've had we've had Garrett on, uh, we've had David on, we've had Spencer on, and we've sort of all heard these stories. We've had Tony on; he's told us Cass stories. And trust me, we're going to get to these questions. But um, you know, this this is Cass. This is your opportunity to come out and you know, it's your side of the story, which is I think a lot of people are looking forward to. <laughs> well, the thing is, the only uh, podcast I listened to was Spencer's. Mm-hmm. Because I had never listened to an Oz. I don't listen to podcasts. I don't have a commute. I, you know, I'm a parent. I'm, you know, I you have got your more on. important things in life to do, Cass, and listen to this shit. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but I did listen to Spencer's, and it just pissed me off. And I haven't listened to anyone from my cast anything. Mm-hmm. I just I don't care what their opinions are. There's a lot of revisionism going on. I mean, from what I understand, Tony has a whole room dedicated, and he just plays the series on a loop and analyzes it. Um, you know, so I haven't watched the show again. I watched it each night live, and I never—I don't own a DVR. I never went online. Uh, so, to me, what happened on the island is what happened there, and the show is something different. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's. But I didn't listen to Garrett's, and I know that Garrett hates me but um well it was actually quite fascinating with garrett because um i I think basically the interview that we did with him turned out uh it was longer than his time on survivor um but like it actually was quite fascinating we got a lot of good feedback because so many people didn't like garrett um watching him on on the show and like one of our oslets noah he basically called garrett the worst survivor contestant ever um but garrett all but admitted that yeah i'm pretty much the worst survivor contestant ever so i think that's kind of what i took out of garrett's interview is something that i i remember quite well from that but it actually he seems like a nice enough guy um you know i don't know if you like him as a person cass or <laughs> i don't know him as a person okay i've never spoken to him outside the game there you uh, go. i saw him at the finale and you know i gave him a hug and stuff but 
we didn't exactly have a cocktail together. <laughs> Not yet. One day, maybe. Um, but I, I like the fact that I think you tweeted or you uh, put out there that you were five or ten minutes into the Spencer interview and you like, I think you said calling all the bullshit or something like that. But um. <laughs> it, Well, it, I was just nauseous hearing him and his self-righteous voice, which I hear a lot of people don't realize this. Spencer and I speak almost every week mm. uh, on the phone. And, and we text. He texts me a lot. Uh, so, you know, but we fight all the time. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's fun seeing you on social media with each other. Like, uh, you know, it's it's almost like each of them want to have a constant, like, dig at you. Like, like he's having a dig, you're having a dig back at him. And it's it's actually just as an observer, I enjoy watching your, um, you know, interactions online. <laughs> yeah, he likes to spar. <laughs> Uh, and maybe he'll get up to my level someday. <laughs> but this is, I think, what's, uh, what adds to the overall feel of your, your season being such a great season is that we've got that going on. I mean, Tony and, and Spencer also like to seem to have this sort of online, you know, repertoire, so to speak, as well. So, And you don't get that a lot from some seasons, that uh, the cast outside of the show are doing this in such a public sort of domain. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's Twitter. Well, they're banned now from Twitter. They are. So. They are, which is, it was weird, I think, watching that yesterday. I mean, you said you had your Twitter turned off, but, I mean, we kind of have a thing on our recaps where we show tweets from, you know, former contestants and notable tweets, and we're used to putting tweets from what you guys are saying about your own season. And, yeah, like, to literally have nothing mentioned from any of them, it's it's slightly eerie, I want to say. Well, maybe uh, Nadia can start tweeting. Maybe. I think, I, I don't know if she's allowed to now. There's something, we're, we're doing our exit interview with her next week. I'm not even sure if we're allowed to mention that on our exit interview, but uh, um, maybe that's something we can loosely bring up. Are you allowed to tweet now that you're out of the game? So, don't but know. Probably not, yeah. Probably not. The whip, I don't know. Whip will come down. Uh, when uh, the vote came between Spencer and Shatia, Shatia at that point finally goes home. Uh, it seemed that it was portrayed on TV as, you know, purely based on challenge ability because Spencer was better at that. Was that what it came down to? Was there more to this vote out of Shatia than we saw? No, we went into that tribal. Uh, Tasha all day, every 20 minutes. I think we should keep Spencer. I think we should keep Shatia. And I think I had that confessional. Just make a damn decision. And we'll deal with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Just don't be wishy-washy. Uh, and we got to tribal, and that was a very long tribal. And we all know that Jeff Probst has a boner for Spencer <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't care if Jeff's listening. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> he, he doesn't, doesn't listen. listen Trust me, if he listened, right. we'd be cancelled. Trust me. <laughs> so, but we all know that Jeff has this secret love of Spencer. I think because Spencer is a somewhat arrogant, privileged young man, and Jeff is learning to be a parent right now, having gotten married and now he has children. And he's, I think Jeff's a fascinating person to, to think about <laughs> how, how he behaves and his psyche. It's hilarious. But uh, I believe uh, that Jeff occasionally, you know, you're starving, you're confused, it's pouring rain, it's terrible, you're on the loser tribe, and you have someone browbeating you, you know, why wouldn't you keep this person? Why wouldn't you keep this person? Spencer did nothing. I mean, he did great in that challenge that day. Uh, and I did at that time, and Spencer even said it on your podcast, we would talk. And I'm the one who told him, you know, don't lose hope. Uh, many times in the game, I told him, mm-hmm. you know, don't give up. So, <laughs> but uh, I actually called an audible at that. I was always the first one to vote uh, on the Brains Tribe. And 
Jeff said, Cass, it's time to vote. And I stood up and I turned around and I looked at Tasha and I said, I'm keeping Spencer. And I said, sorry, Jatia. Hmm. And I went and I voted. Um, and Tasha had to change her vote. Wow. Um, so that I actually saved Spencer and he knows that and everyone who was there knows that. So what was the reason um, behind that? Why, why did you do that? Well, right before that tribal, uh, Tasha gave, came over to the shelter where Jatia and I were standing or sitting, getting ready and just laid into Tasha, gave this diatribe of how she was worthless, how her rice pouring and, you know, it was terrible and she sucks at challenges and, and, um, really was yelling at Jatia out of the blue right before tribal. And Jatia got mad and we went for a little walk and she said, Cass, it's me and you. I can't trust Tasha. Hmm. Um, so those two who I was going to count on to be getting along and go further with, uh, kind of broke up right then. Okay. And, and I felt like, well, at least we'll have peace and a good chance at winning a challenge if we have Spencer. Hmm. But I can't, you know, uh, and then Jeff's whole, uh, leading questions, which would never be allowed in open court, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely worked in Spencer's favor. Fascinating, fascinating. And, I mean, that sort of brings me, I love what-if questions, uh, you know, you've listened to one interview, so you wouldn't get how much we'd love these, Cass, but um, the, the key what-if there, I think, is if Spencer had have gone, if he had voted Spencer out that night, Jatia's with you at the switch, so it's you, Jatia, and Tasha, how is that different? Is that different, um, you know? I mean, does Jatia go off and try and form up with the beauties or something along those lines? I mean, how does that work? Well, that would be the thing, is there would be no loyalty, you know, and if you know, the hypotheticals, you can go anywhere with them, mm-hmm. you know, so it's hard to know what would happen. Uh, but Jatia just wasn't really cut out for it either. The survival aspect was more than she anticipated, I think. Yeah. So how long would she have lasted? Would she have gotten her second wind getting food, you know, going into a, a swap or a merge? We were really starving over there on the Brains Tribe. Um, so, you know, everyone was on edge. So, And I felt like maybe Spencer and I could work together. We hadn't really talked that much. Um, but I just felt it was best if we weren't going to go into a merge or a swap. We had to, you know, we got to have this kid who can swim and do things yeah. to give us a shot. Uh, it's it's so. in, it's interesting, I think, um, kind of with Jatia, because I, I don't know if you paid attention to any pregame rankings or any sort of predictions, but uh, I know from our side here and reading a lot of the fan um, comments before your season started, so many people thought Jatia was a potential winner. Like, Jatia was top three. Top, I mean, I put her at, like, fourth, I think, and everybody thought that sh- this woman was going to win the game, and within an episode, we were thinking, fuck, well, we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I did pay attention because I, you know, obviously knew what happened, and um, I found it hilarious the pregame rankings. But um, <laughs> as I'm sure every contestant who looks at them does, because yes. the game is so unpredictable. Yes, yes, it's a harder. I mean, you know, a lot of the time we do it. A lot of the time it's just a bit of fun, something to analyze, and it's a good talking point. But yeah, it's it's. I would imagine that if I was to go on a show like Survivor or something that you know is being finished, and you're reading kind of the analysis or sort of pregame predictions, that there would just be yeah, exactly. You'd be looking at some of these things thinking, what the actual hell are they reading into? Or Again, it's unpredictable, but I just think that would be some of the fun of it. <laughs> oh, it, it is fun, and you have to have a sense of humor if you're going to do one of these shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, the, Jatia, what's not to like about her? I mean, on, and I love her in person. We're great friends. She's getting married in March. We'll be going to her wedding. Beautiful. Uh, 
you know, she's a super, super intelligent woman, and she has a great sense of humor. Um, but there's a lot of things about Jatia. You know, she went to college at 15 years old. Mm. So I think that develops you into a different type of, of a cerebral thinker and a, you know, the Brains Tribe was just so dysfunctional because we were all in our own heads. Uh, but uh, Jatia is probably my favorite person from the season outside of the show. Brilliant. And I think any of your listeners would love to go have a beer with her and her fiancé. They're both a lot of fun. Well, the, my only interaction with Jatia, she came on our uh, Oscars a couple of months ago and sort of she was nominated for a few awards, so we had her on briefly on that. And uh, look, talking to her probably for all the five minutes, Cass, I love the woman. And I, I loved her on the show. I, you know, I don't care that she was a little bit crazy out there, but I, I'm, a, I'm a big Jatia fan. So, yeah, she. I'd love to have a beer with Jatia. There you go. That's my bucket list. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, she likes Grey Goose with Red Bull. Okay. Grey Goose Vodka. Remember that. I will remember that and uh, put it down and do that when I'm in America next. So, Jatia, if you're listening, um, there you go. Uh, (laughs) The the switch comes along, of course. Uh, I mean, the beauties at that point, sort of a lot of people thinking, you know, it's just all about, of course, who gets um, Sarah on side. Were you expecting the the three beauties at that point to kind of be a little bit more together? Did it surprise you guys that they were sort of a bit all over the shop? We were shocked because we we had discussed, obviously, if a swap happens, you know, we get split up, what do we do? We never envisioned that we would all end up the same tribe. Mm. And then we get to the beach, and Alexis immediately pulls us aside and says, hey, I want to be with you guys. The beauties are a mess. And then uh, Jeremiah comes to us and says, I want to be with you guys. (laughs) The beauties are a mess. Morgan never spoke. Uh, So... (laughs) And then um, Sarah, you know, was the lone brawn and easy fodder at that point. Let's just get rid of the brawn, mm-hmm. uh, which I really wanted to do to dwindle their numbers because I felt they never had to go to tribal. Uh, they were probably fairly well bonded. And, um, you know, I was worried about her getting back in the game and playing with Trish, who she talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was a big concern of mine that she would flip back. Uh, but then Alexis and Jeffra had their little secret smile, like, we're okay, we're good, and so Alexis had to go. So that was it, a smile, and it was bye-bye Alexis. After, after a tribal, just, uh, you know, thumbs up. Mm. Just any, you know, the slightest, I didn't even see it. A couple people on our tribe saw it, and that was what set those wheels in motion. Otherwise, it, it may very well have been Sarah who went that night. Wow, that would have changed things. We wouldn't have had uh, what was to come, uh, which I'll get to in just a moment. But, I mean, with, with, with Morgan, uh, I mean, we saw, obviously, you two eventually had some issues. What was it about Morgan that just, you know, you had clashes with? Why did you guys just not get along? Morgan and I never clashed. Morgan never got up. <laughs> she just stayed down all the time. <laughs> yes. Uh, she, she literally, she would go into the ocean. Uh, she would go back to the shelter. And she would, we had a joke. Oh, food's ready. Morgan's probably still alive. She's going to be up. <laughs> then there's a secret scene out there where, all, where we're all talking about her doing nothing. And I asked, does she even have a pulse? Should we go check on her? <laughs> you know, and that was her strategy, I think. She's good friends with Colton. That's how she got on the show. Um, and he probably said, just don't annoy anyone and just go under the radar. Hmm. Um, and there was a rumor out there that she only wanted to last 15 days, uh, and she didn't care after that. Was that to beat so, Colton's record, or 
I think it was because the financial reward would okay. be such that it was worthwhile, yep. yet she would still get to go on the uh, luxury vacation and not have to sit on a jury. Ah, so or something. She got too long then. She ended up with a little bit more money, but then she had to sit on the jury. <laughs> but we actually never clashed until uh, when I flipped. Nobody had a problem with me until I did the Sarah flip. If you watch the show, uh, you know, no one ever had any problems with me. And after that flip, they, it, they just couldn't wrap their heads around it. And I tried to speak to people, particularly Ch- Tasha, who refused to speak to me. Wow. And I, then I said, well, okay, then you don't want to play Survivor because you have to adapt by the hour. It, so. it's, um, it, it was such an interesting situation when that happened because the, the social media went off, the, the discussion on, on you came about, and for the most part, it was extremely negative against you, kind of your decision, which, I mean, I want to get to that in a minute, but... Just back to kind of Sarah, I mean, what was it, what more was it than we saw that really was just the leading to you eventually turning against her? Because, I mean, it did seem, for the most part, that for a while there, you guys were getting along. Right. Initially, we got along. At the merge, she was great at the, or at the swap, you know, and she, she's a storyteller. She liked to tell stories. And what I started noticing was everyone was gravitating towards her after the merge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Spencer in particular, um, or after the swap. And then when it came merge time, <laughs> when it was merge day, we had a bag of rice. They never showed this uh, because the, the Braun tribe had gotten the extra bag of rice at the beginning. And we went to their beach for our swap tribe where Sarah was home. And we were eating rice and we had a big bag of rice. So when we saw the boat coming in at, at the merge, Sarah said, let's take out this rice, put it in this bag, and go hide it. <laughs> and I was like, really? Wow. Uh, and Spencer grabbed the bag and ran into the bushes and hid half the rice we had. Wow. And the plan was, she had said, I don't want anyone talking to them. She laid down these rules before the merge. No one's allowed to talk to them. I won't talk to any of them. You will see that I'm true to my word. Just keep me away from them, you know. I don't want it to look like I'm going back to them. And I had said to her, we need to get rid of a brawn. I'm very uncomfortable. The brawn has the majority. So show me, like I said, show me the blood on your hands, and then we'll talk. And what happened the moment that boat arrived? Sarah ran off with Trish. Sarah ran off with Tony. Sarah ran off with Wu. After saying, I don't want anybody talking to anyone on the other side. Beauties don't talk to beauties. Nobody had to worry about the brains because we were just us. <laughs> and, uh, and Sarah was the one violating the treaty. Wow. You know? And she had gone so far as to say we should make them build their own shelter and live across the fire. <laughs> so that's how adamant she was about excluding them. And yet her behavior was the opposite. Wow. And I actually went to Spencer and I said, I'm really uncomfortable. She keeps going off with Trish. Ooh, she's, and then she said, you saw it on TV, that she told me she would never write Trish's name down. Uh, so how are you with me if you're not going to vote out this person? Yeah. You're keeping them in your pocket. Yeah. And I went to Spencer and said, I think we should pull in Jeffra. She seems very malleable, and it's just for security. You know, in case Sarah flips, let's pull in Jeffra. And he said, we don't need Jeffra. You know, we don't need her. We're not going to no cast. That's a bad idea. And that was that. And I went to Tasha, and I said, I'm really worried about Sarah. You know, she keeps going off. She keeps coming over and saying 
tell them to stop talking to me, and then she runs off and, and finds them. Does anyone not see the inconsistencies here? Mm. And Tasha told me, after that little talk on the log where, where Sarah, it was me, Sarah, and Tasha, and they, those two were talking about me, was me sitting there. And Tasha said, well, then vote Cass out <laughs> to Sarah. I actually went for a walk with Tasha down the beach, which we did every day. And I sat down and I said, I'm a little concerned here. You know, that's not cool. And Tasha was known for going off on rants and then saying, oh, she's just playing it up for people. And it really became annoying when someone goes off on you and yells at you and then later says, oh, I'm just doing it for, to act, hmm. you know. For. So I said, what do we do? And she said, I have a plan B and a plan C. And I said, well, where am I in that? She said, I suggest you come up with your own plan B and C. <laughs> and I did. Yes. <laughs> and and the night the merge episode aired was the first time Spencer and I really talked after the show. And he called and he said, I'm so sorry, Cass. I didn't even talk to you. I didn't realize all that was going on. Wow. With, and I said, that's because you never spoke to me. So don't, you know, you can't judge my game when you never spoke to me. Fascinating. And was, was the element then the, the key turning point for you to switch over to get Sarah out? Was it, was it Trish? Was there more to that? Or was it just simply Trish coming to you and that was your flipping? No, I, I had it in my head. Trish was perceptive. And seeing that, Sarah was treating me like crap. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the people on my side, there was no, I was in no alliance. Even everyone said it, you know, Spencer has said he was with Jeremiah and Sarah. Uh, Tasha has said she was with Morgan and me. Morgan never spoke to me. We were never in alliance. <laughs> the, the viable alliance, if you're going to re- do some revisionism, is Spencer, Cass, and, and Tosh. Mm-hmm. Once you, know, you start throwing these other names in there, it just becomes unbelievable. Uh, but I was definitely on the bottom there, and I knew it. And I knew that she had, Sarah had gone to Tony and to Trish that day and said, uh, when they asked her, who she would vote out, uh, she had said my name. And we saw that on TV, too. So yeah. I just put all that together. And I, would, I didn't even speak in camp very much. I just kind of observed people. And I did a lot of the work around camp. And I would see who's going off with who. And um, made my decisions based on what I saw and body language and everything. So Trish came to me. Uh, I actually think Trish and Jeffra came to me initially out on the beach and, you know, said, how are you doing? They had just seen, and you saw that circle. We were out in the water, my alleged uh, new party alliance, mm-hmm. and you, we were in a circle, and I was stepping back, and I did that intentionally. So Sarah was talking and Spencer and who they should vote out, and I intentionally took a step back from the circle. And I wanted the people who were watching on the beach to see that, that I was not running the circle and that I might be an outcast because the first person who actually spoke to me for Braun was Tony, right. not Trish. Right. So, and it was that morning, Tony and I always woke up first, probably because we're the parents of young children. <laughs> <laughs> and that morning he said, does anyone want to go crabbing with me? And I said, I will, because everyone was just laying around. And we talked that morning about what was going on in his side and what was going on on my side. And he expressed to me that they felt like I was the one calling the shots. And I said, I really don't have any control over there. And I told him, I said, I, you know, I think Sarah has kind of taken over the lead. And, uh, and I'm sure he ran back to Trish and said that. And 
you know, I planted a lot of seeds with them as well in terms of stepping away and staying out of the main group there. Yeah. And they certainly didn't ask to include me, so they made my job easier to let the other side know I'm willing to be approached. And there was not a lot of discussion. Trish said that, and then she walked by me at one point with Jeffra and said, we're voting Sarah tonight. We hope you're with us. Hmm. And, then and that was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, the, the thing is, and even Jeff and I talked about this. He's like, how did, you know, what did it? I said, I just watched people. If you go on this show, you just watch people. Who's going with who where? Who's acting which way? Who's shooting sly glances at each other? Uh, it's that simple. It's it's so interesting because this um, that whole scene and that you know incident that Trish kind of we saw saying that to you and then obviously the flip happens. I mean, we had a lot of debate amongst you know internally here and then of course on the internet because it was around about this point that everybody started thinking that Trish was playing this sort of a brilliant game and you know Trish was in a good spot and I was I mean I, it's not that I didn't like Trish it was just I thought Trish was kind of being over portraying like no she's not that brilliant and sort of we've had Trish on the show we've had Trish's side Tony's kind of sold his side of that whole scenario and I think he took a lot of credit for getting you to flip and, and now obviously you're sort of telling this side so it's I just, this is why I love this show Cass I just want a little bit of a fanboy moment right now that um, we can get all three of you <laughs> well, on here to get your opinions of it and it's kind of like well nobody's right nobody's wrong but we're just hearing all the sides of it <laughs> well you know and I'm sure Trish didn't even know Tony and I had spoken that morning hmm. Um, or maybe she, I don't know what they knew. Like I said, I haven't listened to these people. Please don't. They're, they're crap. Probably, they really are crap. So it's all, it's all good. <laughs> well, I wouldn't listen to Trish. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. have assumed you would listen to Trish. That's all good. <laughs> I actually, I might send that podcast down to Guantanamo Bay to use on prisoners, <laughs> along with some Barry Manilow. <laughs> like the two most abrasive things you could think of to torture. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. Well, Survivor Oz has often been compared to torture, so... Uh. <laughs> oh, I meant, tr like, the sound of Trish's voice for potentially an hour, <laughs> along with her laugh. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, but, I mean, hopefully my story pulls theirs together, mm. you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, I credit them for, for being perceptive, but maybe they didn't realize when they saw me standing away... I was doing that on purpose because I knew they were watching me based on the conversation with Tony where I wanted to show him, hey, I'm not the leader, and you'll see I'm not even in the thick of it. Hmm. Did you pay attention to the reaction online after that vote? I mean, was this kind of when all of a sudden your social media is getting a lot of attention and people are sending you a lot of things? Um, well, I think the hashtag um, was hilarious. Um, I didn't go in there trying to name myself Chaos Cass. Or <laughs> I think I was sitting in a confessional and talking about chaos, and maybe someone said, oh, it kind of rhymes with Cass. <laughs> and it's not like I said, ooh, I'm going to be the next Johnny Fairplay or, you know, yeah. Boston Rob or something. Yeah. And you'll note on my Twitter, I do not use the hashtag. I really don't use hashtags because they're kind of silly. <laughs> uh and I have not embraced the name, despite many people asking me to take that as my handle. 
I don't plan on taking up professional wrestling okay. and legally changing my name. Oh, damn it. There goes that question. I'll rip that one up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could take Johnny Fairplay out, though. Oh, everybody <laughs> could. Let's be honest. I'm not, I, I told you I'm not a violent person. I'm weak as all shit, cats. I could take Johnny Fairplay out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sit on him. There you go. <laughs> Did you say sit or shit? Uh, well, well. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Just which, kidding. Which, whichever one you want to uh, take on board. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Hello, Johnny, if you're listening. I'm, I'm only kidding. Uh, sorry, continue. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it just it kind of. There were comparisons to like you and Cochrane from South Pacific with that move, and um, you know, people were saying that nah, this cost you the game, and we saw Spencer, of course, say that at the Tribal Council. Did you did you honestly feel though that that move at the time that that could win you the game? No, I felt that that was my best option. Looking at being on the bottom over where I was, where I was given no respect, and people actually told people within my alliance to vote me out. Do you want to be in that alliance? I mean, how safe do you feel when your biggest ally in the game tells someone to vote you out if you don't like me? Yeah. Um, And if you go to your other ally and say, hey, she just said she's never voting for Trish. Let's force her hand and make her vote her out and test her loyalty. Oh, that's stupid, Cass. Hmm, really? I'll show you stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, at that point, my game was over. Sarah was going to be gunning for me anyway. And everyone has admitted to that, that I was not going to make the end game. And Sarah and I have spoken, and she's said that. No, you you were in my sights, definitely. And so, going from that, and then you look over where I went. You have Tony, who's this big, misogynist, pig, alpha male jerk who I love and think is hilarious, even though he thinks I hate him. (laughs) I just love to make fun of him because it's so easy. Uh, And so easy to get him riled up. And you have LJ, who is kind of a passive-aggressive alpha dog. So I thought, well, if I go over to these guys, I'm immediately in with older people who I can relate better to. I mean, I didn't know what twerking was until I met Alexis, (laughs) you know. it's not in my realm to talk to 21-year-olds. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if you guessed. I was never really a beauty queen or anything. Oh, don't or say that. Don't say that. But, <laughs> but, you know, I didn't know how to relate to these people. Yeah. You know, no one was going to be talking about the Battle of Endor with me out there. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, you can talk about that if I you want gather- to. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know... I didn't feel um, too connected with that tribe, with the younger people. And I go over where you have two clear alpha males who are both physical and strategic threats, and you know they're going to gun for each other. Um, And you have Trish, who's quite annoying (laughs) and talks so much trash to people uh, out there. If someone's voted out, she'll come in and sing Another One Bites the Dust and... (laughs) Uh, you know, just be over the top uh, against people after tribal. I, her behavior was, I thought, a little bit much. Uh, but you go over to that group, it's like they're so dysfunctional, and I can read their dysfunction, but with all these 20-somethings, I don't know what's going on in their millennial heads, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, how much influence did Justin Bieber have over these people? <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Wow. You know? (laughs) So it's, I mean, you have to go with what you feel more comfortable with and what you feel is going to break up. And on the tribe I was leaving, you had Sarah, Tasha, and Spencer really playing. Well, Spencer wasn't really playing. He never quite got up to speed where he actually made a move or or any anything nearing strategy. Uh, but, you know, it's, Tasha wanted to lead and Sarah wanted to lead. And you had Jeremiah and Morgan who were just going to do whatever. Mm. So... I went over to the dark side. I don't mind. Mm, and, well, and, uh, people would argue it worked because you got third as opposed to at what point would have you gone, you know, what, seventh, eighth or something along those lines. So you got a bit of extra money out of it in the end, I guess. <laughs> you got to look at it that yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I made a man speak llama. You did. Well, you did. Damn straight you did. I've got that here as a question. Before I get to that question, actually, good segue, I need to ask the big burning question right here now that you mentioned uh, the word twerking. Did uh, Alexis get you to twerk no did you see my ass i mean you have to have like actual something there (laughs) that's why i asked because i was thinking of your your ass to see if it would twerk (laughs) it it would neither twerk nor work uh it's uh yeah this baby don't got back okay so uh all right i no. uh (laughs) i did not twerk shatia twerked okay um, that would be good to see. And um, Morgan breathed. I was going to ask, did Morgan twerk? I'd pay to see that. But, um, no. <laughs> okay. Well, I think you got that, that gift that's out there with the CBS yes. eye bouncing on her breast. Yes, yes, the yoga gif. Um, I appreciate that a lot. So. <laughs> yeah, it's my I'm wallpaper. imagining. It's my wallpaper on my phone. <laughs> It's not real. Yeah, I'm imagining there's many a happy sock out there from that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness me. Uh, Llama, Llama talk, yes. Uh, I mean, this whole sort of situation with Tony and Llama and, I mean, we've heard Tony's side of sort of why he spoke Llama, but um, tell tell us your side of that little uh, little tiff. (laughs) Well, you you know, out there, and I don't think they ever showed it, no one out there knew I was an attorney. Mm-hmm. Right? They all thought I was this animal handler, which I am, because my parents are ranchers, and I do go do things with exotic animals and train them and work with them. But um, that's what everyone thought I did out there. And, you know, I think I drove Tony. It was so easy to push his buttons. All you had to do was not do what Tony wanted you to do, and he would, you know, just blow up. And then Trish would come in and clean up for him. Uh, and uh, I don't even, that day, it was that the day I went to Wu in front of everyone and, and made Tony lie in front of Wu? And about Wu not have you know, did he swear on his baby and his wife to you? And yeah. Do you have a final three deal? And Tony was so mad and Trish was so mad that I would have the audacity to confront Wu in this manner and just say, do you see this, Wu? Do you see what a scumbag this guy is? Uh, and Tony was right there, and I did it right in front of him, and he didn't know how to handle it. And But that his behavior in going off on me and, well, I love the super idol, you know, <laughs> he confessed that, he spoke llama, uh, you know, 
I, I don't know why he did the llama thing. It was hilarious. So. <laughs> he did, and I he did tell it. us about it in his interview. So if people listening to this want to hear his bit of why he did the, the llama, as he says. Um, <laughs> what did he say? I, I think it, it came down to the fact that you were like an animal. Like people, you said you were an animal handler. So I think he basically said he then turned around and tried to kind of speak to you on something you might understand because you handle animals. <laughs> Right. So. Well, Tony is a bit of an animal himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm definitely a primate, but not sure where on the scale he would fall. <laughs> I'm, uh, I was disappointed, actually, that uh, he didn't speak reindeer, of course. There's that clip of you out there, Cass, uh, going on, was it Chelsea Handler, walking out a, a reindeer onto stage? <laughs> yeah, and that was from... Uh, you know, after we filmed. Ah, okay. That was uh, that New Year's special on the winter animals. But before you were known to America and the world, of course. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah, and that was hilarious when Trish was saying I had lied about all these things. And I said, actually, no, here's this and here's this. And, you know, I didn't lie about anything to any. I omitted the attorney thing. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think it's hard for people to look at someone like me, and I run into this in court repeatedly. Uh, as I said in my pregame stuff, I dress down, I wear flats, I don't wear makeup. I love to be underestimated. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a secret weapon. Most women want to draw attention, but I think it's better sometimes in this type of situation to just have no one see you coming and then just look at them with your stupid, shit-eating grin and they just think you're an idiot. Hmm. When really, you're playing them. Yeah. Because they can't read you, and they don't know what to do. And I think that's what really frustrated a lot of people out there was, you know, I would continually do something, and then I would make up with them, and then do it again. So their anger at me is probably really, they're angry at themselves, because they fell for it. Did, um... I mean, we've, we've kind of heard, uh, you know, as I said, we've had Trisha on, we've had Tony on, Spencer on, we've kind of heard their stories of, you know, what you were like at camp and, you know, that you had the conflict out there and there were just issues out there. I mean, was there that, from your perspective, I mean, how do you feel you were treated around camp? Do you do you think that maybe there was some of it directed towards you un- unfairly? I mean, were you abrasive and sort of difficult to deal with around camp? I mean, what's your side of people saying that about you well first of all trish never had a problem with me until she heard me that morning telling the boys you know what do you guys think of trish and that's when she went ballistic that day Mm -hmm. so if i was so difficult to live with how the hell did i last that long Mm. right if everyone hated me for my behavior out there in terms of how i acted around camp why wouldn't they get rid of me They didn't get rid of me because I didn't do anything at camp other than work on the fire, catch crabs, cook food, clean dishes. Uh, You know, I, and after my flip, I, people didn't want to talk to me. Spencer went off on me that night, calling me every name in the book, uh, being, you know, the little prick that he's capable of being. Uh, and, And I love Spencer and he's just a young guy and he needs some life experience. But that night, he completely flew off the handle. I'm sure he won't admit to that, Mm. you know, nor will he admit that I saved him over Jatia. So that's the irony. And around camp, think about who you're asking. People whose game I ruined, Mm. you know. So what did I do? Give me a specific 
example. I'm thinking from Trisha's one that she mentioned that there was a conversation involving her and her, I think, a husband or something like that, that you had been sort of slightly mean or disparaging to the fact that she didn't have a husband or that she was alone. I mean, that's kind of the only specific one that I think I can remember directly to take from that. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not or... Well, that... Let me put a little bit perspective. That day that Trish came after me, which is exactly what happened, Mm -hmm. uh, and even in Spencer's thing, he said Trish just came out at me. So uh, what Trish said to me that day, and I blew off everybody. Everybody yelled at me. I kept my stupid grin, right? That's what bugged people was they could yell at me and speak llama, and I would just sit there rolling my eyes. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you? I mean, I was not reactionary, but what she said to me that day, and keep in mind, Trish is the only person in the history of the show to be so mean to someone that they actually walk off the beach rather than beat the living daylights out of her. Hmm. And remember the soft edit Lindsay got yep. for quitting? Yep. That's because Jeff and everyone knew what a horrible person Trish is. And what Trish said to Lindsay was about her daughter and her husband. And what Trish said to me that day was that my daughter's probably retarded and should be taken from me, and my husband must be a limp-dicked faggot. Wow. Wow. And I said to her, I never even talked about her husband. I don't, she wasn't even, I don't even know that she was married. At least make up a story that's viable. Additionally, Trish out there was mad. She told me I talked about my family too much out there. And I put my daughter's initial on the tribe flag in a heart. And, uh, you know, she said I didn't, I've heard her publicly say, Cass didn't even care. She referred to her her daughter as her kid. And I'm like, I'm the only parent out there who uh, did that. Mm, And maybe I did speak too much of my family. I left a five-year-old home. I I remember you you, you on your Facebook, I think you posted during the season, I remember it was something about sort of, your daughter, I think because you were mentioning maybe what you're saying about the flag, um, because I remember you were sort of, I can't remember the exact specifics of it. I'm just sure you might know the post I'm talking about. Well, yeah. yeah. Trish had said some stuff that I was a horrible parent post-game. Mm, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Continuing her, she doesn't know me as a parent, you know. Uh, she doesn't know me as a person. So to go post-game six, eight months later and to continue to show your true colors that you're going to attack someone within their family realm, which you know nothing of. That's all that needs to be said right there. So I'm guessing Trish is definitely not on the Christmas card list this year. <laughs> no. And actually, at, at the finale, I went up to her, and I gave her a hug, and I said, I have no hard feelings. And she has said some horrible things about me. And she attempted to bait me on Twitter, and I never followed her or reacted. Um, but and she was very nice to my daughter at the finale. I know that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe she's a good person. And she was at her wit's end out there. I mean, she was physically shaking. She couldn't stand up barely towards the end of the game. We we had to huddle around her to give her our body warmth. Uh, I was the only person who asked about her because we were there with a bunch of guys. Yeah. You know? Um, so... I think it's easy to revise the history, especially I think she projected her anger at Tony for betraying this sacred 
thing she had of, you know, swearing on people's graves. Yeah. When she got to Ponderosa, she blamed me, and everybody said, no, no, Tony's the one. And she wouldn't believe it. She has this weird thing with Tony, uh, you know. So uh, I think it's a complicated thing there. And we're the two old hags, right, on Survivor. We're both huge fans. Yeah. And we both want to be a big part of the show, right? Yeah. So, and I didn't take a back seat. It's fascinating. And there was a lot of talk after the, after the flip, after my flip, there was a lot of talk where uh, a lot of people said, now I need to make a move. I need to make a move. I need to make a move. I was like, you don't need to make a move unless you personally need to make a move. Yeah. You know, I personally needed to make that move. And no matter what anybody says, I lasted a hell of a lot longer than I would have. Uh, had I not made the move, I, I, I remember at that point, sort of when we were debating the, you know, the ethics of whether that was a good move or not. I mean, I think I was one of the few people in our on the show that I was defending you know, when I was sort of a fan of yours throughout the show, despite some of the people on our show not being it at the time. But um, I mean, I think kind of in our finale, I remember saying, I think to Noah, who was sort of very against your move, I was like, well, look where she finished, <laughs> you know, like she did basically make it to the end of the game. I mean, had we not had a final two twist, you would have been at the final tribal council. So, yeah. <laughs> right. And the thing was, if I was already not at the top of my alliance, how was I ever going to win anyway? Hmm. Really, if everyone hated me so much, as they post-game say, uh, how would I ever have won the game? So th- and you have to assess when you get to the merge, who can I beat? Tony was really a jerk out there to the women. I loved it because I feel like he's just a caricature. He's just a walking caricature of this Jersey cop. Mm. You know, um, so I thought he was a great person to go to the end with. You compared him to Russell, of course, didn't you? There was that, that confession he had, or you were talking, I think, and you mentioned, you flat out mentioned similar to Russell. Well, yeah. I mean, he was really a jerk. And it's funny to me because he was so rude to Spencer all the time, belittling him and stuff. And I hid Spencer's pants at one point when I was mad at him. <laughs> you know, I don't know if Spencer, I don't think he told you about that. Well, uh, actually, it's but, funny you uh, mentioned that. That's it. I've got a listener question about that. But anyway, yes, yeah, sorry, continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, Spencer was our little Charlie Brown out there for Tony and I. Mm -hmm. And Tony used him. That's what's hilarious. He worships Tony, but Tony used him for the votes, you know. And if Spencer had come to me on that Jeffra vote out when when Tony and and them got Jeffra out, Spencer and I talked. And I actually suggested to Spencer, I said, why don't we go after Jeffra? instead of you and then we can work together and he's told me since the show i almost told you we were voting for her mm. and that would have been a key moment to say you know what Cass? let's not do jeffra let's get woo let's break this up but he didn't take those opportunities mm. you know and that's why i find the the oscars hilarious that spencer's this great player <laughs> Um, well, uh, we, because he had opportunity, but he never pulled the trigger. It's, I mean, it's kind of interesting. We get the Oscars are always interesting because we always get sort of people commenting on them afterwards, and um, yeah, I mean, I, people argue things like recency bias, the edit, and all this sort of stuff. But in the end, they're they're a bit of fun, and uh, yeah. Well, Spencer, he walked away with a few though. So um, you you got one, didn't you? You got um, 
What, I, I beat Tony as villain. You did. That's right. I was, I was thinking you that did is, win one. <laughs> that is mind-boggling. <laughs> well, Tony didn't even win Best New Player, did he? Spencer did. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. So it just tells me the demographic here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's good. We, we uh, hopefully next year though, Cass, uh, we can campaign and we can get you. I don't know what. What do you want to win? I'll rig it for you. <laughs> uh, like sexiest female. Absolutely, sexiest female. Poverty and Morgan will not stand a chance next year. You will win. <laughs> I think it should be like me as the female and Billy Garcia as the male. Damn straight, Billy Garcia should win it. Like, how he's not even in the top five? I'm just so offended from our listeners. <laughs> well, he probably needs a new shirt. That's the problem. <laughs> hey, I've got one of Billy's shirts. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Did did you feel, um, I mean, again, sort of it's all been said and not just on, on my show but on other shows that had you made the end, you wouldn't have gotten a single vote. Now, I've, I've sort of loosely heard you say that this you didn't believe this was the case. You'd believe that you would have gotten some votes of what people would have told, what people told you um, when you got to Ponderosa. Do you, what, what do you think would have happened had Wu taken you? Do you think you would have won? I think it probably would have been a 5-4. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure who would have won. Okay. I mean, that's what I was told by the pollsters at Ponderosa, you know, and I, they may just try to instigate stuff, whatever. But Wu, you know, Wu had some inconsistencies in his gameplay that were allegedly unforgivable. You know, he was called Weasel Wu. That, I think that was on the air, even. And um, there was a reason for that. So, ironically, Wu was actually a bigger goat, probably, than me, even though he called me a goat. Did he know but, what he uh, was doing? That's one thing we got out of the final tribal count, that he had no idea what he was doing. I mean, again, people say him taking Tony to the end instead of you was like one of the dumbest moves in the history of Survivor. I mean, oh. did he know what he was doing? I honestly, <laughs> yeah. You know, Wu was recruited. Uh, Wu is a super nice guy. And I really like Wu as a person. And when I saw him at that school, he almost got my vote just based on how good he was at that school visit we went to mm-hmm. because I knew he was a good man. And then the Survivor fan in me was like, screw good people. <laughs> you know, I need the person who outwitted me to win. Mm-hmm. And, ooh, did I just say Tony outwitted me? Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. uh-oh. Start again. See, Start again. We'll let it Let me out. retract. <laughs> Strike that. <laughs> Strike that. Uh, I didn't hear anything. Actually, <laughs> I know that's going to make it, and then you're going to cut this part out. What Tony did was outwit Wu. Right. And what I did was lose that final challenge to Wu. And, and you saw that last. I couldn't even give the producers any hope that Wu was going to take me. I knew he wasn't going to take me, you know. <laughs> Uh, Wu couldn't look me in the eye. He's such an honest guy that if he doesn't look you in the eye, you know he's not going to do what he told you he was going to do. And he was loyal to Tony, and Tony worked him that day. They let Tony have three hours with Wu. They let me have 15 minutes with him. Wow. You know, um, and then that tribal council was like five minutes. It was what you saw on TV. And at final tribal... Tony actually almost lost my vote because I asked him the question. I don't think they aired it. My only question to him was, did you convince Wu to take you over me? And he said, no, Cass. And he actually almost lost my vote because I would have respected if he said, yeah, I did, Cass. Because mm-hmm. then he would have admitted to being a player. But then Wu was horrible at tribal. 
and I was like, God, I can't give it to this idiot. It was, it was the, you know. but like the thing with that trouble though is that. I even think Tony was pretty... Like, Tony just looked so nervous. Like, I just think... I, I even brought that up to Tony, and I think he said that, yeah, he was nervous. He wasn't performing as well as he could. But, I mean, this is where I think we were so disappointed that you didn't make it because you're a lawyer and you're used to speaking in front of a jury. So, we were expecting, like, this amazing performance from you at the end. What would have been your plan had you, say, won that immunity or had Wu taken you to the end? You know, I honestly... I'm just going to be honest. I've read so much about what I would have done or wouldn't have done and why and... I don't even remember. <laughs> you know, what happens when you're when you're on the show and if you get ensconced in this internet world of Survivor fans, you don't even remember what happened. Mm. You know, because you read some theory out on uh, Survivor Sucks or one of these places, and you're like, yeah, that sounds better than what really happened. I'm just going to revise everything <laughs> so I look better. <laughs> um, I do remember after I was voted out when I went and spoke with the producers, and I actually apologized to Jeff and, and, and uh, Matt, the other executive producer. I said, I'm so sorry I didn't win because I might have taken Tony just as a fan of the show, <laughs> knowing that we would have an epic tribal and, and I would just call everyone out on their shit yes. for letting this guy do this to him, them and not letting me. And I, I did. I apologize. I said, I'm so sorry as a fan because I wanted this season, which I know is going to be so great, to end on that note. So you should have made it a fucking final three, you pussies. <laughs> you know? I mean, really. And I think, I almost think Jeff was scared to let me into that final three. They could have made a decision. Mm. It's, you know, it's from a fan's perspective. I love the final two, and I think a lot of people love the final two, but it's kind of like one of these weird situations where it's like we would have liked a final three because, again, as I said, we wanted to see you at Final Tribal Council. <laughs> yeah, who knows what 80s references I would have come up with. <laughs> You're talking about the Battle of Hoth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you can throw Skeletor out there in the love boat and all these other things, uh, you know. <laughs> Yes. I might have used my Jedi powers. You never know. Yes. Oh, the first time and only time uh, Star Wars would be brought up at a final tribal council of Survivor. Uh. I promise you, if I ever go back and make it, I'm going to throw in some Star Wars references. Please do. Please do. And can, can you also, like, I've never actually asked anybody to do this, but uh, if you go back and in any pregame interviews that you may do, can you, like, just loosely fit in Survivor Oz to something? Like, just be like, oh, I did a Survivor Oz interview and it was the shittest time of my life, so I wanted to go out and win money to forget and get drunk and buy lots of alcohol. <laughs> I know what I could do is I could put the person I would most like to be stranded with yes. as Ben Waterworth. Hey, hey, yes. Or maybe I should put that little twerp Noah so that <laughs> after I kill him, I have a protein source. You know what is brilliant about the fact that you call out Noah uh, in the lead up to the Oscars? Like, oh, that was just the best moment of my life. I'm going to say it now. Uh, <laughs> and let's be honest, it was the best moment of Noah's life, too. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the bouncing CBS ball on Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can just send that little clip right to Noah. Yes, with your audio of what you just said over the top of it. <laughs> well, I'm sure that will only enhance his... Wow, that might give him some permanent dysfunction, so don't do that. 
<laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, hello. My Noah. powers are strong, Ben. Yes, they are. <laughs> they are. Uh, I'm gonna get some list of questions in a second, uh, and then we've got our final five, of course, to close it out. Uh, I mean, just a few things that I uh, wanted to go over. Uh, as I said at the the top of the show, I mean, you sent me the link to that list of these things that you uh, 2009 you posted about how you were going to be on Survivor and finish in the top two or three. Did you when you finished third and like you were voted out, or even when you made the final three, were you kind of thinking back to that thinking, wow, this is going to be a great story when I get home? <laughs> no, I didn't even recall that. I mean, most of us don't remember what happened in 2009. True. So, but a friend of mine actually reminded me of that once they found out I was on the show. And I looked at it and said, wow. But I know myself, Ben. Mm-hmm. I know I'm a somewhat abrasive. I have a really dry sense of humor Unless they put a lot of more intelligent, witty people on the show with me, I'll never win. If people take things too literally, there's no way someone like me can get through and win. <laughs> you know, my social game sucks. Mm. I I love this list. And am, am I allowed to go over a couple of these? Because some of these are fascinating. I mean, these are 25 random Here. things about Cass McQuillan. And here we go. Um that a girl once had a crush on you in sixth grade, she thought you were a boy, and it was the first time that somebody had ever asked you out. <laughs> yeah, you know, do you know what a bowl cut is? Yes, I do. You know, do. when your mom yes. puts a bowl on your head? I had like a mod, it, it was like a, a teacup cut that my mom would do with my hair, where it wasn't even to my ears. It was like a high and tight that a, you know, maybe dumb and dumber would have, like that kind of haircut. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> And uh, you know, <laughs> and I was skinny, and I kind of looked like a Pippi Longstocking with even worse hair than Pippi Longstocking actually has. Uh, and some girl became enamored with me. I was quite the BMX rider and skateboarder, having a couple of older brothers. And um, yeah, a girl uh, proclaimed her love to me. Beautiful. And uh, I declined. Aww. You know. Aww. Broke a heart. Well, I did not re. I did not rethink my activities or my haircut at all. I just thought she was weird. Okay. So. <laughs> um, what and this, yeah, this is way back. And by the way, on my Survivor audition video, when I had to send more uh, video in after you send your first one in, mm-hmm. I um, was skateboarding in the video. I'm I'm a pretty good skateboarder. Nice. So. Uh, they said they'd never seen an old woman do tricks on a skateboard. <laughs> you taught Tony Hawk everything that he knows, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, what are I mean, the other ones here that I like? Um, you were an amateur boxer and never lost a fight. You once used his talent to knock a cowboy's tooth out on New Year's Eve. Was it Colby? Did you meet Colby and <laughs> punch his tooth out? <laughs> oh, I would probably knock co- uh, Colby's socks off, not his tooth out. But uh, no, it was a belligerent cowboy. Okay, uh, in a small bar. You dance every day, and you have done the moonwalk in the past month. Well, that was in two thousand nine. But uh, have you danced today, Cass? I'm doing it right now, Ben. Beautiful. Okay, brilliant. Um, and you did it at a TV commercial for American Fried Chicken. Um, in China for an exchange of two cases of Guinness and all the jack cheese that you could eat for the remainder of the day, uh, remainder of the stay, sorry. I still, you still remember the song that you had to sing while nibbling a chicken leg. Can, can you give us some of that song, Cass? 
Well, you have to envision me with my big teeth, <laughs> uh, with a chicken, a chicken leg in my hand. <laughs> I am bobbing I'm, my head. I'm thinking. Yep. Okay. Yep. Got it. And I'm like 22 years old, so I look just like Morgan, oh, but better. Okay. And uh, is there a gif of this? And I'm singing, <laughs> "Meg will chi hen how." And then there's a little song that goes on, and I just keep saying "hen how," which means very good. Wow. And I take a bite every time I say "hen how." <laughs> and uh, please, I'm apparently on billboards as well. Please tell me this is online. <laughs> I could not find it. This was in '94 or '95. Right. Somebody has before this. Before most of your listeners were born, probably. Somebody in China listening, if they're allowed to listen to this show, uh, they've, they've got this. I want somebody to find it, upload it, and send it to us. I need to see this. <laughs> well, I will give you a little nugget. I was a blogger when I was single. Okay. Back Back in the early. I don't know, what do you call them, the zeros? The noughties. So my name was Glib Gal. Glib Gal. And if you Google Glib Gal or Glib Gibberish, uh, you can get all these crazy things that I did. Wow. Which will make me not seem so boring as a casserole, <laughs> as someone once called me. As a casserole? Is that because cas and casserole? Or <laughs> that was the less than original... Corinne, or how do you say her name? Corinne Kaplan. I just know how to write it. Corinne Kaplan. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Pre-game, she said uh, she would rather talk to a casserole because <laughs> it would be more exciting. Wow. There you go. I haven't. I've... I actually took my press shot and put it on a casserole picture and sent it to her. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, wow. There you go. Uh, yeah. Look, I'm. I'm it's going to be my last ambition now, Cass, to find you in that Chinese fried chicken ad. Uh, <laughs> I have looked. My husband would pay good money for that. Oh, I think a lot of people would. Uh, <laughs> now, you mentioned um, people you sort of talked to, said Spencer. And, I mean, who are some of the other people that you've kind of stayed in touch with or perhaps, uh, you know, any other, anybody actually on that, anybody from any other seasons that you've met and maybe sort of hit it off with? Um, I've only spoken to a couple people, like, uh, Abby was at the pre-finale, whatever the heck that was, I think she tweeted a picture sitting on my lap in the bathroom, (laughs) um, I don't really talk to people, my thing is, um, I guess Johnny Fairplay, I guess he calls everyone, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're labeled a villain, all the villains contact you, Mm. right? Okay. Because they, they have this glimmer of hope that they're still a villain and relevant and maybe we should have an alliance if ever anything happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really return calls. I've gotten some calls. I've gotten some emails. But uh, Denise Stapley has written about me and my poor decision-making and <laughs> the fact that I'm a horrible feminist. And I believe her recent diatribe on Facebook was a a response to my private conversations with her about her self-righteousness and judgmental demeanor for being a psychologist. Wow. Uh, You know, I like professional women to at least embrace the profession they're in and not do damage within it. (laughs) (laughs) Fascinating. There you go. So, does someone like Russell contact you as well because of this evil villains survivor club? Sounds like an underground organization here, Cass. (laughs) Well, I... I think, is Russell banned? Didn't he, oh, like, spill the beans or something? He's still around somewhere. On... <laughs> right. He's only allowed in Louisiana, and that's because they're all French and stuff. <laughs> uh, 
Russell Hunt. But, uh, <laughs> I think I I cut him off on Twitter when he said something negative about being able to beat me, and I said the only thing he could beat me in was a smelly ass and stupid hat contest. <laughs> Uh, and I never heard from him again. I'm trying to remember. We had him on to talk about his TV show, sort of, I think, just as the season had finished. So we were talking about you and Tony, and, yeah, I can't I can't remember what he said about you. But, um, yeah, always fascinating with Russell, of course. <laughs> well, like I said, I think he could beat me at either of those competitions. <laughs> Uh, and uh, always like an update, Cass. I mean, obviously, uh, you, you've gone back to work now, back doing the, the lawyer thing. I mean, what's going on in the life of Casper Quillen as of right now? It's as boring as ever. <laughs> and um, small town lawyer, you know. Done. I still rabble rouse a lot. Mm-hmm. It's in my blood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no f- that's it, no, you know. No future fried chicken commercials in the pipeline? No, I have no... I, you know, this public life thing, it's... <laughs> If you're an introvert, uh, you you don't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, you want to go eat your omelet and not be accosted by a 76-year-old woman <laughs> with a bad dye job. Bloody hell, women. Like, come on, leave a leader. Let her eat her omelet. <laughs> My secret fan base is growing. <laughs> yeah. I'm headed over to the senior center after this. We're going to play a little bingo. <laughs> You've got you. Jeff Probst's mom loves me. <laughs> I've got her as a friend on Facebook. I'm so honoured that I'm friends with Jeff Probst's mum on Facebook. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, she's easy like that. We've reached out like because we would love to do an interview with Mama Probst, um, but she's never responded to us unfortunately. But um, one day, one day, that's our connection to Jeff, <laughs> the Mama Probst interview. <laughs> well, I met her. Jeff told me after the show that. Uh, his mom would not like me until she met me. Okay. Well. So, but she said she loved me because I had gumption, as she said. <laughs> so Beautiful. Jeff, always not getting the pulse of women of America, <laughs> which are the prime demographic. Well, He really should utilize those dimples better. We saw uh, the lovely quote from him in the premiere episode of San Juan del Sur of, Dig Woman! <laughs> Dig Woman! That's what we do on Survivor! <laughs> So, straight away, yeah. he started off well this season, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think Jeff, if you look at the when Jeff had to give me that immunity necklace mm-hmm. when I beat Spencer, yep. did it not look like he was going to cry? <laughs> I need to go back and watch it now. <laughs> I was like, either I smell really bad or he is so sad his little son isn't going to win <laughs> and just got beaten by the brain dead weasel. Oh, yep, yep. I'm going back and watch that one now. Uh, list of questions. Uh, thanks, everyone, who sent these in. Again, a lot of these do get answered throughout the uh, interview. Uh, actually, the one that I was mentioning about Spencer's trousers, I knew I'd gotten a question about it. You know where I thought I got that? I actually got that in my Jeremiah interview the other day. The question that went to Jeremiah um, was, um, it said, during one of her post-game interviews, Cass seemingly said that you got angry when she threw Spencer's pants after the great idol race. Was it true? Now, Jeremiah did answer that one, but uh, your side of the story, Cass, what happened with Spencer's trousers? Well, I believe Spencer had been being a little pissant to me for several days. That was right after I flipped. And uh, he went on his reward, which, by the way, Spencer went on almost every reward mm-hmm. uh, post-Burge which may have improved his challenge performance. Anyway, 
Uh, and he came back, and we all, and, you know, Wu got the clue out of his pants, and we were out there on that little riverbank or creek bed. And he was being such a little turd to me uh, as I was sitting there watching him. <laughs> and then he disappeared down the creek, and his pants were right there laying around. So I said, oh, just like a teenager, leaving his clothes lying around. So I actually picked them up, and I, with my John Rocker-esque arm, threw them into the bushes, and they went in pretty deep. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't mean for them to go that deep. But... Uh, yeah, I threw them in the bushes, and the funny thing about Spencer was he was always losing something. His shirt, his buff, his socks, his shoes. Uh, he couldn't keep track of his few possessions out there. Wow. Oh. Uh, so that night he said, you know, where's my pants? Like the Lego movie, where's my pants? There's this guy, that was Spencer. <laughs> and I was almost going to tell him where they were, and then they had gone trekking and they found them, and... Uh, I was immediately accused. Wow. But ironically, someone threw Morgan's swimsuit onto the beach, and I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I only did it to people who were messing with me, you know, with the clothes. I also put crabs in uh, Trisha's shoes. They immediately <laughs> exited. Um, I'm like that. I'm like that, you know? That's I'm that kid who pulls the fire drill and then points at their friend. Uh, <laughs> we needed to see more of that. I wanted to see Trish with crabs in her shoes. <laughs> well, they crawled out. Ah. You know, the shoes were pretty rank. Wow. Uh, but that would have been great. But uh, Yes, I did hide Spencer's pants. And I might have told him in a day or two, but he was so irresponsible with his items out there. Mm. And that's how the clue was stolen. You know. Mm. So why not take his pants and throw them in the bushes? Why not? The women of America should thank me. They were all in love with him, right? <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I sort of have to backtrack there. When you said somebody threw Morgan's swimsuit, uh, was she wearing any other clothes at the time? or? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, she was probably wearing her little tank top and whatnot, ah, right? damn it. Come on. You meant to say no, she was naked. <laughs> she was naked lounging. Beautiful. That's that's what I wanted to think of. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> now, Ryan Dennison asks, who was the first jury member to come around to talking to you like ever? I'm guessing this is at Ponderosa, I'm assuming that question means. Well, you have to keep in mind, I got to Ponderosa late on the 38th night of the show mm -hmm. I got there I was immediately attacked by drunken people because when you're voted out you spend a little time going through medical and psych and you know they give you an apple with some peanut butter or whatever you've asked for uh, and they actually asked me do you want to go into Ponderosa or do you want us to just escort you uh, to your room and I said, hey, I'm going to go in and face the music. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of person I am. Mm -hmm. Just let's get this out of the way. Not knowing how petty and stupid these people were uh, to be stewing in their Philippine rum state. Uh, so I just walked in there, and you saw on the video people just ignoring me. Uh, as Morgan led the charge to Cochrane me, which coming from Morgan, she Cochrane's everyone because she doesn't talk to anyone. <laughs> but uh, she lounges around naked. <laughs> she lounges around naked and silent. She's a perfect girlfriend. She has large breasts. She doesn't speak. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> yes. You may have to run out for the bagels and coffee in the morning, but <laughs> I'm guessing the demographic here is is okay with that. <laughs> so <laughs> she uh <laughs> but Sarah and Trish came at me. I actually thought Sarah might physically assault me. Wow. <laughs> and they were horrific to me for a few hours. Even the psychologist on site was she said, Cass, you don't have to do this after they were doing it, I said, let them get it out. Then we don't have one of these awkward finales. Mm -hmm. You know, I just said, hey, whatever. And they said horrible things to me, and they were downright horrific. And I just sat there and took it and had my rum and coke. And and uh, the old, I think LJ was the first person to be nice to me. And, and then Jeremiah, Spencer spoke to me. You know, but at that point, everyone's exhausted, and they're done. They've been on the jury. As Sarah told me, she was on the jury longer than she was in the game, and it was my fault. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, and the next day, I had a lot of interviews to do prior to the final tribal, so I didn't really see people a lot. The interesting thing was everyone was up, was bunked up, double and, and triple, and knowing that everyone hated me at Ponderosa, they actually put me on another wing over by uh, the medical and psych and the, the kind of crew people. Cool. <laughs> uh, and I had my own room, and, and Tasha didn't want to speak to me at that point, but she came around, and we spent some time together. Tasha was equally alienated at Ponderosa, I've which many that. people... Yeah, I've heard I think... Was it Spencer who brought that up? Or was it, no, it might have been Trish actually who brought that up. Why was, what was the deal with Tash? Well, I wasn't there. This is the thing. When you do these interviews, if the person wasn't there in the legal world, we call it hearsay, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's the telephone game. But Tasha, when she got to Ponderosa, I guess, told everyone how Trish was, you know, disparaging them after they left, mm -hmm. which was true. Trish was, if Sarah went home, she said, oh, she's a bitch, she's horrible, I hate her. I never liked her. You know, she would go on and on. The last thing you want to do if you're ever in the game when you come back from tribal is talk trash about the person who's just been blindsided because mm. they have allies that will be on the jury. Uh, Trish felt free to do this, but when Tasha got there, she told everyone that. And I guess things were fine until Trish got to Ponderosa and started being mean to Tasha. Mm. And then Tasha just retreated into herself, I think, uh, as intelligent people do, rather than argue with idiots. <laughs> so, one way of looking, um, good way of putting that out. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So when I got there, and then Trish and other people said, you know, Tasha's on her own. Tasha would go to bed early. She wanted to stay out of the fray and the negativity that was going on at Ponderosa. So in the future, if I go back to Survivor, my plan is if I make the merge, I'm going to send the most pleasant, nicest, forgiving person to the jury first <laughs> so they can set the tone. <laughs> Good thinking. Good you thinking. <laughs> yeah. Had I sent, you know, Jeffra, yes. as, but, then, but then I would have joined Jeffra the next week, mm. you know. Uh, it would have been a totally different jury. The first person who goes to that jury house as we've seen season and season again, can poison the whole thing. Mm. Very true. It's, um, I mean, we've talked a lot sometimes on the show about having sequestered juries, you know, they're not allowed to talk to each other and 
often we come to the conclusion that sometimes if you've got that, then you might have a different winner. So I don't know if you agree with that or not. Or I think um, we all know the game, what, 29 seasons in? Mm-hmm. So we should know better. And In hindsight, there's a couple things I could have done differently, but really not many. I don't have many regrets because I never would have made it as far as I did if I didn't put Sarah on that jury. Uh, my biggest regret is not winning that last challenge. Mm. So close. You know, that half second. Half a second, yeah. So close. Uh, now, let's go through these questions here. I've uh, answered that one. Uh, Michael Grandolfi just simply says, ask her why she is so perfect. So, Cass, why are you so perfect? <laughs> I, You know, I'm... I, I can't even answer that. It's just, it's genetic. It's just cast. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's not easy. Yep. I, I mean, I wish I were as perfect as some other people. <laughs> but Well, look, you could be as perfect as Survivor Oz, but uh, you've only won one Oscar. Sorry. it's um, You need to win at least two. So <laughs> I think this was the least deserving Oscar outcome ever. <laughs> We've had like three of them, so um, oh, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, Brian Hardick won greatest winner of all time. I won't let you diss on my man, Brian Cass. Come on. <laughs> I love Brian. Good. You're my new best friend. Uh, In casting, I told Lynn I would be like the female Brian. Oh, she probably, did she sit there and go, who? <laughs> no, she loves Brian. I think... Um, she said, no one ever brings up Brian. I said he was great. He was like a serial killer out there. Well, the, I think a lot of the in kind of the uh, Hall of Fame voting of recent years, uh, when they, they bring in sort of the media, the, the key media people, you know, your Dalton Rosses and your Gordon Holmes and all that sort of stuff, they're big Brian Hardick fans. Rob Sestanino's a big Brian Hardick fan. I think it just comes down to the fact that Jeff Probst isn't a Brian Hardick fan as to why we don't hear him talked a little bit now. Because I, I think... You he, know why? Why, why? Because he shot the puppy or... <laughs> Because Brian Heideck clearly has a bigger penis than Jeff Probst. <laughs> he was a porn star. He only was. Right? Yes. Yes. True. Jeff is a petite man. <laughs> and um, he can't reconcile the fact that this guy from Quartz Hill, which is about an hour from where I live, actually. That's where Brian was from. Beautiful. Ran the crap out of his show. Mm. It's, um, I, and I, I'm... You know, again, shameless plug here, Cass. Still stand by the fact that I'm very proud that we're kind of the only show really in the last 10 years who actually have Brian Hynek on the show, and we've had him on a few times now. So there you go. If you ever feel the urge to torture yourself with Survivor Oz again, download the Brian Hynek interview. You'll love it. So... I, sh- I should have done that. It's there. It's there. Um, now, Julian Gronenberg, who I was said before, our Oslo, who loves you, um, he says, why do you think you were so divisive, uh, divisive, sorry, among the fan group? Has the reaction to you softened over time um, compared to when it was airing? Um, I think, I mean, in public, there's only been one person to my face who has been rude to me. Oh. Uh, and other than that, I get a lot of women, probably 35 and older, who love me. Okay. Just, so I think if you're gauging the fan base by the internet, you're using a skewed thing there because the majority of people in the U.S. who watch that, 
the show are Midwestern housewives who've been watching it forever. Now their kids watch it. You know, that's the reality of the show. Hmm. It's a network TV show. It's not for people who have cable and watch Hulu Plus and all these crazy things. It's for the people who watch CBS and NBC and ABC and are loyal. Uh, that's where CBS is going wrong right now. They don't understand who actually watches the show. There's a lot of people who watch it to make fun of it, but the people that the advertisers want you know, to, to get their demographic are, are me. Mm-hmm. You know, the crazy old ladies. <laughs> so I don't know that I, I'm on the Internet, if you base that from the Internet, people who love or hate me. That's a very small percentage of the viewing public. That's a good way of putting it. What, what happened with the, the fan who came up to you and was rude to you? Oh, this was hilarious. So we have one grocery store in my town. So I was at the grocery store. Thankfully, my daughter wasn't with me at the time. And I'm walking in, and there's a man by an old white, like one of those little pickups, a little Toyota, old 80s, yep. 70s style, tiny pickup. He's parked in the handicapped spot, and he yells across the parking lot, you suck. <laughs> and I look over, I go, are you talking to me? And he goes, yeah, you're a fucking bitch. <laughs> and, and he's this old guy, you know, he's probably in his 60s, and he's in the handicapped spot in this pathetic pickup truck. <laughs> There's probably some mangy dog sitting next to him. <laughs> and... And I go, well, you know what I have to say to you? And he's like, what? And I just gave him the finger, like I gave to Trish. <laughs> and he go, he went ballistic. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> so I said, go back to your mom's basement, you loser. <laughs> and that was my interchange. That, that was how I related to my one uh, wow. visible apparent enemy. That's f- but it was hilarious. That's funny because I know. We, I mean, we've had like someone like Colton on this show a couple of times, who obviously is quite despised amongst a lot of, say, the internet community. And that, but he sort of mentioned that you know he's never had anybody come up to his face and say anything to him. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. <laughs> we did. He it was across a parking lot, and it was hilarious to me yeah. that someone, as a fan of the show, I personally have never inquired into any, anyone. I wouldn't call them. I wouldn't write them a letter. I wouldn't contact them, mm-hmm. you know. So it was interesting. Yeah. And I had, I had a guy calling my office phone every Wednesday night after hours and leaving a very lengthy message as to my uh, resemblance to female anatomy and huh. lack of intelligence and other things. And that he was going to report me to the state bar for malpractice as an attorney based on my actions on Survivor. Wow. Which I guess he actually did do. Um, And the state bar just said, hey, this has happened. We have to inform you, but we're not even investigating. (laughs) Wow. uh, And then I finally put on Twitter one day, hey, to the guy with the blocked phone number who keeps calling my office, uh, grow a pair, and here's my... You know, you got my number. Call me, and then it stopped. <laughs> so wow, that's probably an eighteen-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Because I mean, there was that story that came out in the media too. I think was there a politician in New Jersey who wanted Tony removed as a police officer based on his actions on Survivor too. Like, do these people not realize that you're playing a game? <laughs> right. Yeah. 
some people, some people. Um, now, Shion in Shidia, he sent in a few questions. I'm not going to take one out, though, because this is, I think, the really good question, and this is one that I would love to hear your answer for. Is it true that you started the rumour many years ago on Sucks that there was a lot of whoopee made in Fiji Ponderosa? Um, I did. <laughs> I've been a suckster since before Sucks was Sucks. Wow. So, Yeah. If you look me up, everyone knows now who's a suckster. Mrs. Colby Donaldson. <laughs> and that shows you how long I've been on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened was I had a friend who won an auction up in the San Francisco area of California and went to lunch with one of the contestants on that show. Wow. And, and I'm, she's one of my friends who's in the survivor pool that I've been in since uh, season six. So in our little pool... You know, she said, oh, my God, I won the auction. I went to lunch with so-and-so, and and I can't even remember their names. Uh, (laughs) But I think the rumor was that someone had fornicated with more than one person uh, on the cast. And within my little group, it was a hot topic, so I threw it out there on Sucks. And then it was later, apparently, I never knew this, because I didn't post on Sucks very much over the years. I had two spoilers in my lifetime there, which was that one. And then one about Dina, who was a district attorney in Southern California, having a new car. Okay. Uh, and that, that was the only time I ever posted on there. And I only looked for spoilers because I was in the pool. As soon as I got my person, I would look up the spoilers to see if I might win my $100 or whatever. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. Because I, I know. But yeah, I guess... Later, that was uh, verified, maybe through you guys, well, that someone was actually a bit of a, it's, you know. It's a question that every time I get somebody from Fiji on, I am guaranteed to get a listener question relating to that. And the thing is that, I mean, you've got a journalism degree, and you're obviously a lawyer, so you can obviously read into bullshit sometimes. And, uh, well, most times, I should say. I've got a journalism degree, so, of course, I, I tend to, by interviewing people, like to read into what's bullshit and not. And usually when I get them answering, a lot of the time I'm thinking, yeah, bullshit, you're dodging the question, you know, you're, <laughs> you're just sidestepping, you're bringing in, you know, this crap. And so I, I'm guessing there's a big, huge story that's going to come out one time from a Fiji juror or something like that about who it is that was going around and getting their knob in the honey pot? <laughs> well, I think it was, there was a girl who had sex with two of the guys, even though one of them she didn't like. I don't remember I th- the names and, and whatever. That was a long time ago to me. Wow. So, but if I posted it on socks, I actually believed it to be true because I wasn't one of these habitual posters of just nonsense. Mm-hmm. I kind of focused on the spoilers and then on our season, I actually kind of trolled them a bit, the Sucksters, and wrote things uh, just to mess with them because it was so fun. <laughs> did they know it was you when you were doing that? They did not. They now know it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm. it's pretty funny. That's fascinating. But, I mean, who cares? Who goes on Sucks <laughs> and posts in these crazy forums? <laughs> but it was my prime source for spoilers at the time. Mm-hmm. We uh, For many years, that was the big spoiler source we have a thread on there that um you know we get lovely things said about us every now and then but uh, i take it as a badge of honor actually somebody started a thread on there which to me i was so happy about it was um the ben waterworth hate thread um it got to two pages too cast so i was pretty happy with that (laughs) oh they have my uh the quotes from cast 
thread on there that's hilarious because, like I said, I haven't rewatched the show. I watched it live. I didn't sit around taking notes. But a person on there has actually compiled the, the 28 <laughs> quotes of Cass McQuillan, and they're freaking hilarious when you when I read them and then read this person's analysis of why I said it. Mm. It's, uh, uh, they're they're so dedicated I, on there. We'll put it that way. <laughs> They don't have a life. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Dedicated was a nice way of putting that, but uh, <laughs> obsessive, yes. uh, potentially requiring a restraining order in some cases. Yeah, uh, I'll get a couple more of these because I want to wrap it up with our final five. Uh, Survivor fan one two one one says, "Hello, Cass. You're one of the most interesting players we've had in a while. And made amazing TV. Would you ever come back for say Heroes vs Villains two and?" Who would you like to play with? Ooh, well, I would love to play with Colby, but maybe not Survivor. I was about, I was about, uh, to, I was about to say, are we talking Survivor here by playing with Colby? or? <laughs> you know, I really go back and forth on the returning thing because as a fan, I personally believe you get one shot, you do it or you don't. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. I would never want to go back on a season where you play against newbies as a returning player. I think the advantage is so great because you know what to worry about and what not to worry about. Um, but who would say no to, to playing Survivor again? Mm. But I talk to my husband about this all the time, and, and you know, everyone was approached uh, last year, I think every contestant, about a blood versus water yep. scenario. Yep. And my husband and I actually said no because... You saw my husband. He's a super nice guy, and I don't think he's survivor material in terms of doing what needs to be done because he's a genuinely nice person, mm. unlike me, you know, so, uh, <laughs> which somehow works. You always marry the person nicer than you, and you'll be good. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to do it, but when you do it, Today it works out. It does. But uh, <laughs> uh, right now I'm kind of in that position where I feel like I probably don't want to do it again mm-hmm. because it, now that the new season's starting, I'm remembering what it's like to be a fan and to appreciate the show for what it is. And, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like you get one shot, you should do it. I don't want to be on there four times and then win best player ever. <laughs> Really? You're the best because you win 25% of the time? You know. Oh, uh, you're giving good Oscars, Oscar kind of segues here, Cash. You're a fan. You, you know it. <laughs> but, you know, it's... And then if I went back, what would happen? Anyone who's smart would get rid of me. Mm. The legacy but of Cash But fortunately, go. most Survivor contestants probably aren't that smart. So, hey. <laughs> Well, we'll see how that works out. I, I like this question here. Joe Salate says, Hi, Cass. Many diehard Survivor fans like Jim Rice or um, Andrea Belke have discussed that rather depressed feeling of finally getting to be on Survivor, but a season that both agree were very bad seasons. So, Jim, obviously, South Pacific and Andrew, I'm guessing that's uh, for Caramoan uh, or Redemption Island, actually. Uh, as a fan of the show, would you rather have won a season like season 22 or 23 that is considered amongst the worst or keep your third place of a season that many people think is one of the best ever. 
100% I would rather be the cause of a fucking great season. <laughs> a million dollars is not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to go on a show you love and play it and create a character that no one's seen in 28 seasons, even unwittingly, to become some pariah or divisive person, mm-hmm. is that, you know, and to get your spouse to come over and you win the biggest comeback in the history of the show in front of your husband and because of that person, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty good stuff. Yep. And, and when people grow up and when you're old and you're married and you have kids, a million bucks, it's a lot of money, but it's really not. Mm. 600,000, is so, it after tax, didn't uh, Jeff Kent say, after Obama touches yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> 600 grand, I mean, in California, you can barely buy a condominium for that, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. <laughs> um, but my husband and I have talked about it, the fact that you can get that person there and you can do something. We have that puzzle that I won that I beat Spencer on. I'm going to buy a little timer and I'm going to put a bunch of six and seven year olds on it and show Spencer's time and show them beating Spencer <laughs> and just post that. Do uh, it. You know, and that's, that's in our barn and it, you don't get these things in life. I'm one of those people. You saw my 25 random things on Facebook. Yes. I like to live. Yes. So survivor has been a great experience. Do I want to do it again? I don't think it would be the same. Mm-hmm. Would I get all giddy and excited coming off a helicopter realizing I have a buff and a water bottle and I'm going to play Survivor? I don't think you can get that back. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely... I'd be a little jaded if I returned. It's, um... Yeah, I suppose it is it almost kind of an honor in itself to be able to at least be say you've been legitimately asked back even if you were to say no because I mean at least I suppose you take out of that well they would want me back if I wanted to play again. Yeah, I mean, Jeff has publicly stated they would like me back. Mm. So he said, Tony, Cass, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. There you go. But wouldn't it be fun to just tell Jeff, like uh, like I did at casting, like, I'm sorry, you're too short. I would never have sex with you. <laughs> That's probably how I got cast. <laughs> how, how does that come up in conversation about having sex with Jeff Probe? No, I wouldn't have sex with you. <laughs> Well, you know, they're trying to throw you off, right? Mm-hmm. You're in a room. They know everything. They know your blood type, your first boyfriend's name, your net worth, your criminal history, everything. And they're all sitting there with binders. They know your IQ. They know whatever psychological exams they've put you through. And they're all asking you questions. Mm-hmm. And little Shorty McTorty across the, <laughs> the place, you know, directly across from you says, Interrupt someone, would we have ever hooked up? <laughs> wow. He says that to me. Wow. Okay, I, I've seen who the final 20 at casting are. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Mr. Dimples is not out for me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the nerdy mom housewife. Uh, I've portrayed myself as that in casting. I bought the little vampire books at Target and left the sticker on it so that everyone thinks I'm the Mormon mom from Utah. <laughs> It's all premeditated. The game begins when you go there. Mm-hmm. So when Jeff Probst asks, would we have ever hooked up? What do I say to him? <laughs> you mean as friends? And he says, uh, no, in a sexual manner. <laughs> and I kind of give him the once over, much like many of you have done to Morgan. Yes. 
And I said, I don't know. How tall are you? He says, what does that have to do with anything? I said, I, think you're, I don't think you meet my height requirement. <laughs> At this point, there's a little chuckle in the room. Because here's the most average person being cast for the show, basically challenging Jeff's manhood, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he says, well, how tall do I have to be? I said, you, six feet. He says, well, Tom Cruise isn't six feet. I said, I have no interest in Tom Cruise. <laughs> he says, well, Brad Pitt isn't six feet. I said, well, Brad Pitt gets a waiver. <laughs> and he says, Brad Pitt gets a waiver and I don't. I say, you're no Brad Pitt. <laughs> wow. He was, just, he was just ready to kill you there, I would imagine. <laughs> and, and, and then a guy next to him, who I'm sure is some sort of big wig, is kind of chuckling, as are all the women in the room. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, well, this is interesting. Who else is in? I said, hypothetically speaking, you know, I'm a married woman. They said, yeah, hypothetically speaking. I said, Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> Do you know who that is? Uh, I believe he was in a season of 24 for a little bit, and that was my only... But I, he's like a childhood actor or something, isn't he? Or He was in the 80s. He was in a show called Silver Spoons. Mm. Which is the, do you know the show, uh, what's it called, Ocean Girl? Uh, yes. Is that in Australia? Yes, yes, yes. There's like the cute blonde boy. Yep, yep. That all the girls, that that boy would be my Ricky Schroeder. Okay, okay. You know, of my formative years. Okay. So, I'd say Ricky Schroeder. And everyone starts, you know, a few people, well, what? And the guy says, Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons? <laughs> I, I said, yeah, I wrote him a lot of letters when I was 13, so I might as well seal the deal. <laughs> and uh, someone else says, so Ricky Schroeder over Jeff Probst, and I look right at Jeff and say, any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that set the tone for our relationship. Hmm. I'm looking forward to you answering one of our final five then about that. And I will also just let you know, Ricky Schroeder is a huge listener to this podcast. So, uh, you, you might get a phone call. <laughs> I have met Ricky Oh, okay. at a reindeer gig at a celebrity party. I have a picture of me. And for years, my husband kind of cock-blocked me. Ricky would be at these things. And I had a hall pass for Ricky. You know, you, yes. when you're married, you get... We call it a hall pass. Is, like if we, is if, it the five? Uh, is it kind of like on Friends when they had the list of five that you could... Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Ricky's in mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's Ricky at an event. I'm looking good. I'm wearing my jeans. I got a reindeer on and, <laughs> on a rope. <laughs> you know he's going to be all over that. <laughs> and my husband, you know, you guys saw him. Insecure, giant man that he is. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he won't let me get near Ricky because he knows I have the hall, hall pass. And he's worried. He actually thinks someone would find me attractive, which is hilarious and endearing at the same time. Uh, but then we finally meet Ricky, and he's my husband says, I'll go, I can't even talk to Ricky because I'm starstruck. I'm more starstruck than I was when I met Jeff Probst. Wow. Because there is Ricky Schroeder, uh, Anyway, mm. I couldn't even say anything. I was like a teenage girl. It was ridiculous. I, I, I would I would be intrigued to know who else is on your whole pass list, Cass. <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, who else? Colby Donaldson, yes. obviously. Yes. 
Yeah, I took Jeff off after I met him. <laughs> well, well, you're not getting a little bit excited then, then when he kind of mentions the fact, would we hook up? <laughs> like if that, I if that, think I may have, like, I may have rolled my eyes and gave him the grin, like, really? Because <laughs> Jeff was sitting downstairs. <laughs> you should have been like, well, um, well, I've got, like, five minutes. Um <laughs> <laughs> like that's the best you can do, Jeff, to try to throw me from my game. <laughs> you totally don't get women, Jeff. Wow. Um, oh. oh, sorry. I'm just. I'm loving this. Um, I've got the couple that I wanted to get to. There's, there's one here actually. It's it's something. I don't generally read out when I get negative questions because I like to kind of keep things a little bit positive. I want to read this out purely because I want you to berate this listener. Can you do that? Am I allowed to give you a slightly negative comment here? I just told you I insulted Jeff's penis Okay, well, then we're fine. Stupid me. Come on. Um, uh (laughs) Is it Noah? Is this from Noah? No, this is from Andrew Blank. And that's their last name. Uh, says, in your confessionals, you berated your tribe mates for sucking and being bad at challenges, yet you were no better than Jatia. <laughs> well, actually, I think it was <laughs> better than Jatia. In the first challenge, I was supposed to be the key handler because I was the smallest person on my tribe other than David. Uh, and you don't want to insult a man by pointing out that he's smaller than you. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Jeff. And the men were supposed to carry, <laughs> unless it's Jeff Probst, and he has millions of dollars, and yes. he can compensate over how he can. I think David would have millions uh, of dollars, though, too, wouldn't he? Or <laughs> Oh, yeah. I like David, but, you know, he's an interesting guy. Yes. Uh, so, you know, that was, you had to take apart the, the carriage or the chariot and, go release things. Spencer was tallest, so he was going to get the keys. I was going to grab the key, unlock the locks, undo the chains, and then the big people were going to carry the heavy chest. And it fell apart to where Tasha, myself, and David were carrying the heavy chests of puzzle pieces. Garrett was running around like a freaking banshee. uh, And Jatia was snagging the key out from under me. Uh, but, and then in the next challenge, Tasha and Jatia both had to be helped over the obstacle. Mm. If you watch it, I'm the first woman in the whole thing to swim out, get over the obstacle and, and get back and do everything. So I didn't suck challenges. No, no. Well, I actually have a question here, uh, which if I can pull it up here would be a good segue for me to do that. Uh, I was asking about you in your puzzle challenges as to why you were so good in puzzle challenges. Um, I'm just going to get the specific one up. Here we go. Ran Jana Chadramuli. Uh, how are you so good at puzzles? Did you practice at all or have you always just been good at them? Uh, I did not practice. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> I was too busy working out. Uh, yeah, it's just logic. Just logic. There you go. Yeah, if you're an attorney and <laughs> stuff, you're logical. Uh, I think we've sort of covered a lot of these. I'll, I'll, I'll end on a positive note. We had sort of a negative one. Uh, Carl Hagerman says, why are you such a witty goddess? A who? A witty goddess. <laughs> Wiki? Like, as in Wicket, the top Ewok no, w- in <laughs> Return of the Jedi? Not quite that specific. <laughs> witty, uh, as intelligent, like smart, quick-witted. 
Oh, witty. witty. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the accent, you know, just pretend you, you understand. See my Star Wars reference? I, uh, yes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, it, I don't know. I blame my parents for being assholes. <laughs> Oh goodness! All right, there you go. Uh, thank you. You know you're loving this, right, Ben? I I am loving it, and we're we're on track right now. I think to break the record for longest interview ever. So we're doing well, uh, Kath. We're uh, we're getting into our final set of five here. Unfortunately, we're getting to the end. Oh, uh, I'll pull out some of your random twenty-five things every now and then, perhaps. Um, I'm just reading here that when you graduated law school, your gifts were two sheep, a a thirty-eight revolver, and an original Picasso. <laughs> yeah. What do you make of that? Uh, that you enjoy fine art, you wanted lamb for dinner, and you were going to shoot them with your revolver. <laughs> well, yeah, that was exactly what everyone was thinking. <laughs> but I still have the Picasso and the revolver. Right, okay. Well, I better be careful in what I say. Uh- <laughs> the Picasso hangs in my daughter's room. Wow. How, how do you... Who gives a Picasso for a gift? That's a is that a bit extravagant? <laughs> well, you know, I'm in California, and rich people have these crazy auctions, <laughs> and you can get these things. And for some reason, someone thought that would be a great gift for me. Okay, Thank you. so uh, to me, it looks like a, a kindergartner's drawing, <laughs> but that's why it's in my daughter's room. Uh, you were on the MTV special, The Osborne's Family Christmas. Uh, you're the girl in the elf hat with a baby zebra in deer antlers speaking to a member of a boy band. <laughs> yeah. Well, I my family does own one of the largest uh, exotic animal ranches in, in Southern California. So we go down to L.A. for TV things, as you saw, like the Chelsea show. Yes. There's there's tons of them out there. Um, but the Aussie show, they wanted reindeer. And I remember uh, Mrs. Osborne was not feeling well. This is back when the children were still underage. And uh, she wanted me to bring the herd of reindeer up the stairs to her bedroom <laughs> to see them. Wow. And uh, it's, it's really not a good thing to do. <laughs> and then also at that event, Ozzy Osbourne comes up to me. I've got this baby zebra that had just been born a few days earlier. When you're training animals, you want to put them on a bottle and get them away from their mom so that you can actually train them. Mm-hmm. So we had to take this baby with us everywhere, and it was winter. So I was tasked with taking care of the baby zebra at the event. And uh, Ozzy comes up to me, and he's He's being Ozzy. Not Ozzy from Survivor. Ozzy Osbourne. This is the 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 original original. that people should know about. Yes, none of this Ozzy survived. The original best (laughs) fathead-eating Ozzy Osbourne. Comes up to me and he says, Did you paint your fucking donkey? (laughs) I saw this in Mexico. Why would you paint your donkey? I I didn't paint my donkey. This is a baby zebra. There's no such thing as a baby zebra. (laughs) I said, well, then, Ozzy, how do we get a zebra? He looks at me dumbfounded. Did you paint your donkey? <laughs> That's all I talked about. To it. it was like talking to Tony. <laughs> but not so loud. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, why were there not cameras? We want to see this. <laughs> there were, and then there was this boy band there. and I was an attorney at the time and just starting out. 
and I invited my legal secretary. I said, hey, you know, you're young. There's going to be movie stars, TV stars. She didn't want to go because we always need someone to come scoop the poop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, she declined, and then she saw all these pictures of me with this, this baby zebra talking to all these boy band <laughs> guys. And she was so mad at me. She says, you met NSYNC. <laughs> so I don't even know who NSYNC is. <laughs> you met Justin like, Timberlake right then. <laughs> yeah. I talked, I talked painted donkeys with Ozzy, Justin Timberlake, what? all those guys. Wow. Wow. And you refused to have sex with Jeff Probst. <laughs> I'm, I should... Yeah, I should totally win something. <laughs> yes. We're going to make a special category at the Oscars next year. The <laughs> I don't even know what it is. We'll just call it the Cass Award. Stuff it. <laughs> uh, what, what do you, I have asked you because I've, just, I've looked at this the whole time going, what the fuck? I only buy cheap sunglasses since the Miss Exotic World 2006 incident in Las Vegas. Now, Cass... What is the Miss Exotic World 2006 incident in Las Vegas? Miss Exotic World, if it ever comes to your country or somewhere where you are near, you need to go. Okay. This is, this is burlesque, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where the girls dance in their little pasties yes. and stuff. All, all of your Morgan fans should know this. Yes, yes. Um, and these women are talented. They can do things with hula hoops, and it, it, it's fascinating. Um I was stumbling around Vegas one weekend. We met some people. Uh, there was a gentleman dressed in a tiger sh- suit who called himself Tigger. There were these scantily clad women. They invited us to this party. Um, so we went because this is when I was single. Uh, you know, you go do these things. Yep. It ended up being this Miss Exotic World. They don't get naked, but there's, it's so much more provocative and interesting and erotic than... Uh, a strip show. So I was having these vodka cranberries, and I can't handle hard liquor. I'm a puker. I have been since day one. But it was kind of cheap, and it was easy, and the line was long at the bar. You didn't want to be drinking beer, you know. And I had these nice sunglasses that floated because we were going to go float down a river later in the week. <laughs> <laughs> and I reached a point after so many vodka cranberries where perhaps I was going to vomit. <laughs> And I told my friends, I said, I got to go. And there was kind of a line in the women's bathroom. I went in there. And, you know, when you put your glasses on your head, you probably shouldn't vomit into a public toilet, right? No, no, not at all. (laughs) So I'm throwing up. It's all red from these vodka cranberries. And there go my expensive floating sunglasses. (laughs) Into the public toilet. The, the sewer system of Las Vegas, and it's Fremont Street. It's not the new Vegas where all the fancy hotels are. <laughs> it's the, the old one where the rooms are $12 a night and tables are a dollar a game and Miss Exotic World's going on. <laughs> uh, and they're floating. I flush the toilet. All the pink goes down, but the glasses are floating. So I said, ah, screw it. You know, I'll go get some cheapos at the gas station on the way home. <laughs> And I go out to wash my hand, but the line is such that a lady goes into my bathroom. I have urinated on these glasses. <laughs> I have vomited on these glasses. And a lady comes out to the bathroom sinks, and she's holding them. She goes, ma'am, did you lose your glasses? <laughs> and I said, those aren't my glasses. <laughs> um, because, quite honestly, who knows what's on them, right? Yes. <laughs> 
and and it just shocked me that someone would actually fish these glasses out of a toilet. <laughs> and then it went through my head that I had urinated and vomited on them. Oh, gee. Uh, but now that I've done Survivor, I might just have worn those glasses again. <laughs> Yes. Um, okay, I feel like I need to get one more here. I know, we're going to get to these five questions. God, we're still going on about your 25 list. Um, you went to a live sex show in Amsterdam while sober and pregnant. You sat in the front row. It was not as fun as it sounds. <laughs> no, we had... Uh, and I don't want to insult anyone, but I call him Black Porno Batman. <laughs> He's a very large African man there in a, like, Batman underbrews, if you know what those are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the U.S., they were they used to make children's underwear that looked like a superhero, and they were called underoos. Yep. And this was a fully grown, like six foot five man with a lot going on, <laughs> squeezed into him. And we were in the front row, and I was sober with several friends and my husband. And I'm I should go get tested right now, thinking about it. <laughs> um, but I was pregnant, so I wasn't drinking. And um, right. Yeah. If you're drinking, it would have made I more sense. I don't recommend it. <laughs> I don't recommend it. And pregnant people probably shouldn't go to these things. No. Okay. Just a reminder of why they're pregnant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Literally. Okay. These final... I'm going to get to these. Uh, thanks for the list of questions, by the way. They were great. Um, now, the first question in our final five slash six, uh, we've talked a lot about this man. We know you turned him down for sex. Uh, so, what are three... <laughs> What are three things you learned about Jeff Probst during your time on Survivor? <laughs> um, wow. I gotta, let me try to be original because I know everyone knows he's a hothead, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, the, the most common ones we get are he's short, he swears a lot. Um, yeah, pretty much. That will be the two that we get a lot of. So, Okay. Well, so I think he's attempting to evolve <laughs> because... Let's think about the probes we all know. For many years, the single guy, you know, dating Julie Berry, probably fornicating with who knows how many contestants, right? Yep, yep. But here he is, and he's got this proper wife and these cute kids, and he's, what, 50-some years old? 53. Which is older than me, believe it or not. Yep. yep. He's ancient. Yep. In survivor terms. <laughs> Like, 50 would be the new 80, because I say 40 is the new 70 if you're on Survivor. So, Jeff is like an octogenarian. Yes. The viewers. Does he come up and ask if they you, really think about does it. Does he come up and disturb you while you're eating omelets? He probably would, because you know he wants a piece of this, because I rejected him. <laughs> it's part of my je ne sais quoi. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I would say he's a walking contradiction. Mm-hmm. So that's surprising because the public sees him as this cute, engaging, uh, affable man, and yet he's this complex, Napoleonic little turd. (laughs) But you have to reconcile that with the fact that he's a producer, so he's doing a job. So it's fascinating to me that at the end of the day, people might say, you know, he's an a-hole, he's just short-tempered, whatever, but... He is an executive producer on a big show, Mm -hmm. and we're just part of the machine. So you have to keep that in perspective. Uh, But I do think he could be a little softer. Uh, I would not fornicate with him, (laughs) which previously he may have made my short list, (laughs) way below Ricky Schroeder. Um, And again, I just find him hypocritical. I, uh, I, I just... 
I think he doesn't know who he is. Mm. That's a good way of looking at it. And you know what he said to me privately? What did he say to you privately? He continued, when we had some conversations, he kept saying, I'm not at all like you, Cass. And whenever someone says that to me, I know it means they don't get who I am and they're afraid to be me. Mm. So I think Jeff is going through some stuff, probably that he's been going through for, I don't know, what, 15 years, I'm guessing? Mm. Interesting analysis. Maybe it- I would like him on Rock and Roll Jeopardy again, though. <laughs> I've seen a few clips of it, and... Um- yeah. The hair, man. The hair. Well, we're, we're doing sort of, we're going back to older seasons and kind of doing some, you know, commentary through it. And we were doing Amazon the other day. And we just watched this basically an hour or two after watching the premiere of Samuel Del Sur. So it's kind of like you see Jeff in, you know, New Survivor, you know, come on saying like, dig woman. And then we've got like young Jeff, who's kind of being nice to people and helping them get off the boats. <laughs> so. But we all evolve, right? True. And the more power we get, the bigger jerks we become. Mm, true. Uh, uh, it's a cycle of life. It is. But unless you're the host of Survivor Oz and the show just gradually gets shitter and shitter. So, um, But imagine being Jeff. You've been in the same job for 15 years, doing the same thing, mm-hmm. hearing the same crap from your critics. Yep. It gets old. Mm. Do you th- so when we criticize him, we have to think, oh, he's kind of washed up. He wants to retire. He wants to move on. And he can't. He's stuck as Jeff Probst forever. Do you think Survivor would work without Jeff Probst? Like if Jeff Probst hung the hung the collared shirt up after season 30 and they got Colby to come and host it, would it be the same? No, Colby needs to stay on Top Shot. That's a great show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think what they need to do, because of how they're trying, the networks are so wrong in who watches network television because they listen to Twitter and social media, which is such a fraction of the demographic if they want to target the people they think they need to target, they should just throw Malcolm as the host, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah. and and just go. If you're going to become these whores to social media, just throw Malcolm in there. Yeah, yeah. He's- uh, otherwise, Jeff's a great host. He should stop meddling so much, but then that's part of the game. When you're out playing the game, you're playing three games. You're playing against contestants. You're playing against production and you're playing against the viewers. Mm-hmm. If you can go out there with that mindset, you'll do well. Mm. Did, did Tony do that well? <laughs> no. Tony bumbled his way to the end. <laughs> he really did. And, and it was the fact that Tony only had to play half a game, right? He didn't even have to go to tribal for 18 days. Mm. Keep that in perspective. He was well-fed and winning for half the game. Mm. And then he got in there and he had allies and idols. Allies and idols. That's on his business card, I think. Um, <laughs> Tony Blackos, allies, allies and idols. <laughs> no, it now says Spy Shack Builders because he thinks <laughs> like his Team TV t-shirts. Yes. Guessing you didn't get All one? All he tells me is, I do. I have one right here that he sent to me. I jokingly told him my favorite was the hot air balloon. <laughs> For my daughter, and he actually sent one signed, and I was like, Tony with freaking hot air balloons? <laughs> Priceless. Uh, and he didn't even get it. Oh, uh, funny. Um, question number two. Cass, what is your favorite and least favorite season of Survivor? Well, my favorite... God. Uh, I, like, I like Pearl Islands for some reason. Mm-hmm. 
uh, just I liked the beginning. I liked all the characters, everything. But I also love Australia. Good. Uh, those are probably my two favorites. My least favorite. You know, I went through years where I watched, and I don't even remember who won or what happened. Because I'm one of those people, I just watch it when it's on TV. I don't get into this analysis. So I guess if I don't remember the winner of a season or any of the characters, that's a bad season. And there's several of those. And I, like I said, I can't remember them. So that would be a mark of a bad season to me. Very true. And at least you remember Brian Hardick, and that's all that matters. That's all you need to take out of Survivor, Cass, is that you know who Brian Hardick is and that he's the best ever. <laughs> he's, he's a good one. Yes. I do like him. Good. I mean, he's he was very methodical, and, you know, you can't fault that. Mm-hmm. Question number three. Now, you've essentially answered this about 100 times in this interview, and I'll just put it out there for official documentation. Cass, who is the sexiest ever Survivor contestant? I don't know. Is it Billy Garcia? Absolutely. That's where I was just getting you to confirm that answer. (laughs) Of my generation, it's Colby. And then Burton. Burton. He's one who doesn't get brought up as much as I thought he would. But yes, no, Burton's a a sexy man. (laughs) And then the intelligent person in me, and having lived in Asia, I've always had a sweet spot for Yule. Okay, there you go, Yule. I have to ask, I feel like, given that we seem to badmouth everyone from your season, who's the sexiest from your season? The sexiest on my season? Yeah. Well, you know what we called Wu on the Brains Tribe, and it disturbed all of the men on the Brains Tribe. We called him Wu-licious. <laughs> the girls and I... We we declared Wu the best looking and and everything from our season. So I'm going to have to stick with Wulicious because <laughs> we declared that early on, and that would be an honest opinion, right? Absolutely. And of course, uh, you'd be very pissed off then that Jeremiah won the Oscar for sexiest new male. I'm willing to bet that Jeremiah is the the best gentleman from the season. Best gentleman. So okay. No. All those girls that love him need to know he is a really nice guy and a true gentleman. True gentleman. There you go. Question number four. Cass, who is the greatest player never to have won? Well, you're not very great if you didn't win. Hmm. Is, that, is that your answer? Yeah, I'm not going to remember your name. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, how many people have played and not won? <laughs> Cass McQuillan. I mean, come on. Well, I was going to say, you, Spencer, can't, you can't answer Spencer yourself. Spencer Bledsoe. <laughs> How about Spencer Bledsoe? Yeah. Let me appease your viewers. <laughs> uh, no, uh, if you didn't win, you're not the greatest player. Okay, there you go. I like that answer. It's one that I don't think we've ever had before, but we'll take it. Uh, who's your least favorite winner? This is going to piss your people off. Don't say Brian. But um, Don't say Brian. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, my least favorite, like personally, who I don't yeah, like? Yeah, so just a winner that you don't like. I'm going to have to say Denise just because of her behavior. Okay. There you go. It's, it's always open-ended, these questions. There's never sort of specific guidelines as to why you answer that, but uh, we'll take that. And that, that brings me to the final question, which is uh, who is the greatest player of all time? And, again, this is entirely your reasons, Cass. This is entirely up to you, who you want to say, and for whatever reason you want to give. The greatest player of all time? Yes. Hello, it's like asking who has won whatever sporting event the most. Queen Sandra. Queen Sandra. <laughs> yeah, you can't dispute results. I was I was kind of, I didn't know if I was debating whether you'd be a Sandra fan or not. You're kind of, I think you're a bit hard to read on whether you would just 
diss Sandra or like Sandra? But I've got my answer. There you go. <laughs> I can get loud too, man. <laughs> I love Sandra for her feistiness. Boom. Boom. There you go. Uh, well, I want to officially say that this uh, will go on record as the longest interview ever. <laughs> I want to give you a clap. Really? Well, just <laughs> edit it. Edit it down so it's not. That, but we don't do that on this show. We we, we let it hey, all Hey, Spencer, go. I beat you again. <laughs> you did. Spencer didn't even... He spent nearly missed... Uh, nearly got to two hours, but he didn't. So, um, yes, you, you shat all over, Spencer. Uh, <laughs> well, there's a theme developing, isn't <laughs> yes. there? Uh, thank you very much for your time on Survivor because this has been the longest, the most interesting, the funniest, the most insightful. Look, I'm just going to throw every word out there in the book because uh, I don't even know how to describe this interview. It's been all lots of... Uh Was it inappropriate, Ben? Because I didn't listen to anything. Maybe that's what made it good is that I didn't like do... <laughs> that's what we seek out for in any interview, that it's inappropriate. Then we know we've had a good time. <laughs> So, oh, and here's—I'll give you a little tidbit for us, Australia. So there was one of the producers. Well, many people on the show are from Australia mm-hmm. who work, and he explained to us the meaning of fanny. Yes, yes. <laughs> which you know, in the U.S., a lot of times your parents will yell at you and be like, "I'm going to spank your fanny." Yes, if that was in Australia, so, that would uh, be taken a completely different context, wouldn't it? We had a great time on the show. <laughs> laughing about that with this person did he so. did he explain the meaning of the word root in australia no no well please please extrapolate i need to know. one might say that babies are made when a man roots a fanny <laughs> oh it's it's essentially another word for having sex so i would say i would love well jeff Prost would say i would love to root you cass so, <laughs> th- yeah, that's- Jeff wants to root this fanny. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to admit it because yeah. I'm taller than him. Yes. In a live sex show in Amsterdam. Uh, I- and well, no, that was I go to those things. I've been to those things all over. It's nothing special. Oh, goodness. Um, that's a perfect way to end this interview, Cass. Best of luck with everything that uh, comes your way. I never thought I'd have an interview ending with the words, Jeff Proats wants to root my fanny. But uh, thank you, and uh, we hope to, look, get you back on Survivor Oz if you come out of retirement one day. So we appreciate your time today. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ben. Have a good night. And thank you to Cass a couple of years ago, of course, for uh, being involved in the show. Great player, great character, great human being. And uh, thank you again. I've said thank you again. I'm saying it again. But uh, that's Flashback Friday for today. Again, uh, stay tuned to our website, our Facebook page, more so for a poll. We'll put up who we are getting you to choose from next. So that will be up uh, within the next 24 hours. And again, just to reiterate, uh, we won't put the Rudy one up. Um, we'll save it um, for the day ultimately that we have to pay tribute to Rudy. We we hope that's not for a very long time. So um, we we will save that one for you. But uh, yeah, we again we apologise for for being so quick to j- jump to conclusions and sort of follow. Uh, the fake news that uh, was so quick on social media for us to do that. So um, absolutely apologize for that. But uh, Survivor fans as well, we are looking at doing some Australian Survivor stuff soon. Uh, we just in the process of uh, working out what we're going to do and how we're going to cover it. So we realize Australian Survivor is up and running and sort of 
I think we're about five or six episodes into the season already. So uh, once we know what we're going to be doing with that, you will see us advertise that. So uh, get excited, get Stay tuned. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, for all our other listeners outside of Survivor, uh, Lost will be taking another break on Monday. Sorry that we had not had a couple episodes in a few weeks, but we will be getting those up and running again very, very shortly. Third watch happening on Wednesday. Uh, so get excited for that one as well. And uh, we're only a month or so away from getting into some Terminator recaps, which is exciting, and even closer to some Star Wars recaps too, which is going to be very, very exciting, I know. And we've also got a special episode coming up uh, this month in August, a bit of a tribute episode to a very popular film we did last year, which uh, we're going to make a yearly thing. And if you're a long-term listener of the show, I think you know what I'm talking about, and it's going to be a lot of fun. This has been Flashback Friday on the Oz Network. Thanks for everyone tuning in. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, subscribe on podcast servers, wherever you get your good podcasts from. Please leave us some feedback. We'd really appreciate hearing from you and what you think of the show. Suggestions, comments, uh, questions, complaints, you can get them into us as well. And the OzNetwork.net is the one-stop shop for all these episodes. If you missed any in the past and you want to find out, there's a Flashback Friday tab on our website where you can find all these episodes under the one section of the website so it's easy for you to find ones that you may have missed in the past my name is van thanks for tuning into the oz network and we'll speak to you next time good night thank you for listening to the oz network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at the oz network.net <laughs>